Thanks to Skillshare for supporting Muller She Wrote. Skillshare is offering Muller She Wrote listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash AG. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash AG to get two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. Also, thanks to Stamps.com for supporting Muller She Wrote. With Stamps.com, you can access all the services of the post office right from your desk. So right now, use AG for a very special offer. You'll get a four-week trial that includes postage and a free digital scale. So go to Stamps.com, click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in AG. That's Stamps.com, and enter AG. Warning, this podcast contains laughter. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me, as always, is Julissa Johnson. Hello. And Jordan Coburn. Hello. I hope everyone had a great holiday. How was your uh, Thanksgiving? It was chill. I, my family is far, so I just kind of, you know, hung out at home and, and smoked weed and watched Netflix. So that was nice. Netflix and chill. Yeah, right. with myself. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best kind. Uh, Ryan and myself made some vegetarian dishes and then went over to my dad's house. Yeah, okay, house. whatever. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. If it makes you feel any better, they were disgusting. Aww. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Yeah, it's ama- it's like amazing how you can still make vegetarian gravy disgustingly chunky. <laughs> Weird, right? <laughs> yeah. Then it becomes a consistency problem. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah. but it was great. Nice. Much okay. thanks. I made a ham, oh. and uh, took it over to uh, my chosen family's house. About fifteen of us, and we had turkey and ham and everything. And it was amazing. That sounds, that sounds nice. Amazing. It was really good. The I chosen w- family. The chosen family. Yeah. I wore a, I wore a dress because I'm spending uh, Christmas with my family. Family. Okay. Uh, so chosen family, and I wore a dress with a brooch and a a brooch yeah, coat. It was very nice. I, that is very cool. I looked very fancy. Mm. Um, I really wanted to wear my onesie, but did you have <laughs> any uncomfortable conversations with any people about settler colonialism or anything? No. I feel like everyone we hang out with is like you know woke enough to. Mm-hmm. Not need a schooling on that, but a lot of these a lot of these folks in my chosen family are old gays, so mm. they're they're <laughs> cool with the with the Thanksgiving theme. But you know, of course, obviously there were there were you know comments made about it and and how I think we did have a, a brief discussion about how you know so much love out to that you know group of people and and our group of people and how that's not what we were getting together to celebrate it was it was just more like hey this is just an awesome dinner with us and we're not doing it because of that um we're not that 
calloused and right you're turning a negative thing into a positive gathering i can see that exactly yeah. and, you know it's it, it would freak me out and it actually had like i've got the crazy racist uncle who's who's been like i'm glad we took the land from the and i'm like whoa dude all wow. right we need to not that's why i want to spend with my chosen family because we don't do it for that reason <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like who, i don't know who does but i'm sure there's people oh yeah like my uncle I, my uncle as well i feel like he sort of stopped showing up to the thanksgivings on account of him not being able to say those things anymore whoa he needs a teeny tiny turkey like yeah. snl yeah <laughs> that was a good that laura ingram bit with oh yeah kate mckinnon was so beautiful funny. that cold open yeah white chess everybody wins <laughs> beautiful <laughs> and uh yeah teeny tiny turkey and there was something else in there too. Volkswagen, you know why. <laughs> Whoa. Damn. Um, really funny uh episode. But yeah, and we always do a thing where we make sure to um, you know, donate money or donate time um to give back and you know, white guilt probably. But mm-hmm. helpful, yes. So Yeah, we need that. White I think guilt. so too. <laughs> it, it 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 always bums me out when you try to do something to make up for something and you and you get shit for it and you're like well uh, yeah. I, do you want me to do nothing or right you gotta try i mean i think the guilt is legitimate too for me at least it feels that way it because is. it's like obviously i didn't do these things however i have the ability to do something so not doing that is where the guilt comes from i feel like that's Hell fine yes, yeah. and because all that happened i have a, a, a kind of a i'm in a privileged spot Mm-hmm. I have an advantage in life mm-hmm, me too. Uh, because of that shit. So it's like you just you know recognize that. I think that that's important. Yeah. And do what you can to mitigate it. Um, otherwise, you're just eating turkey. Anyway, good holiday. <laughs> good holiday discussion. Uh, we, we have a gigantic show for you guys. We have interviews with, uh, let's see, Peter Jukes from the New British Podcast, Dial M from Muller. Um, I love the way he says it, too, in his accent. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have the Guilty Pleasures Muller-themed ice cream truck in D.C. We have the guy who runs that. And British pop journalist and architect of the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting, Goldstone. <laughs> I talked to Goldstone. Uh, and if you don't know why I'm singing that, we'll play a clip for you later uh, about the origins of why we do that. Uh, Jaleesa is going to be reporting on the uh, nasty West Wing meeting that led to more power for the troops at the border. And Jordan's going to cover Trump's Fox interview and his idiot call to the troops. <laughs> and I'll be going over the real reason Trump will not cut ties with uh, Saudi Arabia. But before we get going, I want to thank everyone, first of all, that signed up to be a patron this week. We have a few calendars left uh, at the $10 patron level. Uh, they make awesome gifts. Uh, it's it's basically a pinup calendar with uh, the faces of our favorite justice people superimposed on there, photoshopped in. <laughs> or you can just get them on the online store for 20 bucks. Uh, but when you become a patron, you also get ad-free episodes and re- research notes and access to our bonus content, the book club, Fantasy Indictment League, all that in addition to some really great thank you gifts. So we're about 700 patrons away from reaching our goal that will allow us to start putting out two episodes per week. And uh, thanks to everyone that jumped on your Trump supporting family members' devices and computers at Thanksgiving and subscribed to Mueller, she wrote, on their behalf. We went from number 62 on the charts to number 25. Yeah. <laughs> so please subscribe. Leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Same thing. We can, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm super thankful for you guys. We can't thank you enough for supporting women in podcasting, for supporting Mueller, she wrote. Uh, anyway, we have a monster show to get to. So let's get into it with just the facts. <laughs> 
On Sunday, Representative Elijah Cummings of Maryland told Face the Nation that he will do anything and everything in his power to release the Mueller findings to the public. He is poised to take over as the chair of the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee in January. Cummings says he will wield subpoena power, if necessary, as chairman of that committee to force Mueller's findings to be made public if Whitaker or anyone else at Maine Justice tries to block them. He also said he's going to look at removing Whitaker as acting AG if he's still there. And he threw his support behind Nancy Pelosi as Speaker of the House. So that was a little uh, interview with uh, Elijah Cummings on Face the Nation. Also Sunday, Trump sat for another Fox News interview, and Jordan's going to cover that later in the show. Super funny. Uh, Or terrifying. Usually both. Yeah, definitely both. However you want to look at it. Uh, Then money. Money. Then money. <laughs> oh, no. Capitalism has gotten to you, AG. <laughs> the end. No. Uh, then Monday, Senators Maisie Hirono, Richard Blumenthal, and Sheldon Whitehouse sued to block Whitaker from serving as acting attorney general, saying the move was unconstitutional. Their complaint, filed in the D.C. District Court, claims that Trump violated the Appointments Clause of the Constitution by naming Whitaker for a cabinet-level position, even though he was never confirmed by the Senate. So... We'll see where that goes. Also Monday, Mueller filed his brief in the Miller case. If you remember, the Thursday after the election, obviously the judge in the Andrew Miller subpoena battle asked for both sides to file a brief on how the appointment of Matthew fucking Whitaker would impact the case. And uh, we had warned that by not waiting until the Miller case was decided to install, install Whitaker, Trump ran the risk of legally exposing the way Mueller could circumvent the acting AG and could unwittingly put his appointment on trial. Uh, but the shitbox did it anyways. <laughs> and Mueller's brief, which he handed in this week, was an absolute pleasure to read. Mueller argued that despite the appointment of Whitaker, he still retains the full powers of a U.S. attorney granted him under the regulations governing the special counsel. He said that in this particular case, the subpoena of Miller is not threatened at all by Whitaker. Uh, in fact, Whitaker has no power over it at all. And he seems to suggest that anything banked prior to Whitaker's appointment, including sealed indictments or complaints or subpoenas, could not be blocked by Whitaker because the court presides over them. And Mueller also maintains he retains the authority to appear before the court. That's part of the having the authority of a U.S. attorney. And that's how he would unseal any indictments filed prior to Whitaker's appointment. So that's huge. And a lot of folks came at me saying that this argument was only for this particular case. Um, However, uh, Mueller's defense of his authority would seem to extend to any and all filings that took place prior to Whitaker, Whitaker's arrival. Yeah, that's, that's what it sounds like. That's what I'm. That's and that what makes I sense. You can't derail an entire investigation just because some idiot fired the guy that put them there in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. Obviously, we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, the problem with Whitaker is that we apparently we would not know if he had blocked anything after he became acting AG because while policy requires him to report anything he blocks. He only has to make those declarations after the investigation is finished or if the special counsel is fired. I thought it had to be right when you when he said no, but it doesn't have to happen until after the investigation's over. So now it comes down to how much Mueller was able to complete before Whitaker usurped control of the investigation and how long he'll be there in the face of all the lawsuits against his legitimacy. So if there's a long delay in the Stone indictments, that could be why, and we wouldn't know it. Uh, then... Monday, the army commander overseeing the mission at the border where Trump sent like 6,000 troops to set up concertina wire. Um, That was basically all they did. 
this army commander told Politico that the Pentagon is set to begin drawdown, even as the approaching caravan hasn't reached the border. Vanity Fair posited that the president spent millions of taxpayer dollars on a stunt that failed completely. And based on the withdrawal of troops prior to the arrival of the caravan, it's clear that this was nothing more than an expensive political stunt that did nothing but keep the troops away from their families on Thanksgiving. Yep. So, yay. And 6,000 on 6,000, that's like a one-to-one basketball defense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's just so, so, so absurd. Yeah, and, and there wouldn't have been, it would have ended up being like 2,000 who eventually got to the border. Mm-hmm. Many of them stayed in Mexico. Um, a lot of them turned around and went home. So, it, it's yeah. so dumb. Yeah, it's true. Like the highest projections were 6,000 from Mexico. And yeah, that didn't turn out to be the case. No. So total waste of money, total waste of troops, kept them away from their families, put them down there to set up barbed wire. Just so dumb. But tax cuts. <laughs> what, what? Yeah. Uh, then Tuesday, bipartisan leadership from the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, including Bob Corker and Bob Menendez, wrote a letter to Trump asking him directly whether or not Trump believed that MBS, that's Mohammed bin Salman, we call him Mohammed Bonesaw, <laughs> was involved in the murder of Khashoggi. Under the Magnitsky Act, which we go over in detail in episode two from last year, Trump can be required to make such a determination about human rights violations by global leaders, and he has 120 days from the committee's request to respond under the Magnitsky Act. So we'll keep you posted as more information on Trump's response becomes available. Uh, That was all just Monday. (laughs) But then Tuesday got crazy. Um, First, we found out uh, Beto could be running for president because he said he hasn't made any decisions about 2020, which is a different statement than he made right before the midterm when he said he would not run. Um, And he lost that midterm to Ted Cruz, as we know. Mm -hmm. If he runs, that's where my money is, especially after speaking with Dan Pfeiffer from Podsave. Uh, I'm convinced now more than ever that we will need to be, we will need to have a candidate with a moment. Remember how he's like, somebody needs to have a moment. Right. And if we want to win, we have to find somebody who's got that moment, that magic, the beans. Uh, <laughs> and I think he has the best chance of uniting the party. Um, yeah. And I, I would work for his campaign. And if anyone knows how to apply, let me know. Beto? Is there a link or an app for that? Beto, <laughs> if you're listening. <laughs> He's got the magic beans. I like how you threw that in there. Yeah, he does. We should try to get him on because he was too busy during the campaigning season. But maybe now he'd be down. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. Let's try that, unless he's gearing up to run for president. Mm, either way, let's have him if we can. Mm. We could do a little campaign. Mm-hmm. I, I want to work for him. <clears throat> anyway, that's where <laughs> yeah, my money This has is. been an inside meeting at Mueller Show <laughs> <laughs> that everyone can hear. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, also Tuesday, Mueller filed a 3,000-word document in the secret subpoena battle going on in the D.C. appellate court that's been running parallel to the Andrew Miller subpoena battle. Uh, No further details have come out uh, other than it's a 3,000-word document, but oral arguments begin in open court December 14th, and we'll keep you posted on the the disposition of that case as it unfolds. So I don't know if you guys remember or not, but to give you context, Andrew Miller, who's a stone guy, he's one of his, he's a scheduler, but he's not, you know, now he's like a house painter in (laughs) Cleveland or something. He, um, he basically resisted the subpoena to appear before the grand jury and then um, asked the court to hold him in contempt so that he could appeal Mueller's constitutionality and that's been working its way up through the courts and it was Miller's case where where uh, the judge asked for a brief about how Whitaker would affect the case and Mueller came in and said I got the power of U.S. attorney it doesn't fucking matter to me mm-hmm. have a nice day <laughs> um, that's the Miller case and then there's, there's a second subpoena battle uh, some people thought it might be Trump 
or Kushner. Mm -hmm. I thought it was Credico. We still don't know. But apparently there was a 3,000 word document filed by Mueller in that case this week. So we'll keep you posted. Then we got big news Tuesday that Trump had asked the Justice Department to prosecute Hillary Clinton and James Comey. And to illustrate what a big deal this is, one of the articles of Nixon's impeachment was his improper use or abuse of executive power to punish his political opponents when he tried to get the IRS to go after Democrats. Now here we have a president blatantly asking Maine Justice to prosecute those he sees as political enemies. Um, Trump told McGahn last spring he wanted to order the Justice Department to prosecute Clinton and Comey, according to two sources familiar with the conversation. And the New York Times reported that McGahn rebuffed Trump, saying he had zero authority to give that order, and even if he could, it would bring up serious questions about abuse of power. Then McGahn wrote a memo to the president, warning Trump that if he gave that order, he could face a number of consequences, not least of all impeachment. Uh, McGahn, uh, Mueller has that memo, by the way. McGahn pointed out um, that to his knowledge, Trump never actually gave the order to anyone at justice. But there are reports that he continued to speak about appointing a second special counsel to investigate Clinton and Comey, and even repeatedly expressed disappointment in his FBI director, Christopher Wray, for not pursuing the matter, calling him weak. Trump also raised the possibility with Rosenstein. And Trump's lawyers also asked justice to investigate Comey for mishandling the Clinton case, but they all declined too. But the craziest part is that he pressed Whitaker, um, who at the time was Sessions' chief of staff, to give, him, to, give him, to give him information on the Clinton investigations. He was like, give me the inside information on Clinton. And this is just another example of blatant obstruction of justice by Trump. And at this rate, he needs to stop obstructing justice so Mueller can finish his report. <laughs> Um, I, I think he's still going to subpoena Trump for obstruction uh, questions if he hasn't already. And speaking of how long the investigation could go on, according to Bloomberg News, Senator Burr says it's going to take the Senate Intel Committee at least six months to write and declassify their report on Russian interference. So the investigation is going to go on well into 2019. It's not going anywhere. So please keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your friends. Uh, still Tuesday, Trump finally handed in his written answers to Mueller's questions, starting the clock on the stone indictments in my beans, in my space beans. Because <laughs> um, basically what I was saying is that things had to happen in a certain order. Um, first, Mueller uh, couldn't indict Stone until he got Trump's questions back, because he, I think he wanted to incorporate that into the stone indictments. And then he couldn't give the report to the court on Manafort's level of cooperation and who he helped nab without indicting Stone because he didn't want to publicly, you know, release any information before the indictments came out so that he wouldn't, you know, give any information about an open and ongoing investigation, tip off the people who are in the indictment. Mm -hmm. So he did hand in his questions, handed him in on Tuesday. We were like, maybe we'll get indictments on Wednesday or Friday. We haven't. Monday is when the Manafort report is due. So I think that a couple things could happen. <clears throat> Either he'll indict Stone Monday or he'll ask for more time. Um, in the Manafort report, or he'll just tell the judge in the Manafort hearing, uh, yeah, we're good to go for sentencing. Ooh. And they, they might say, well, what did he do to help? And I'm like, can't tell you yet. Can't tell you yet. <laughs> <laughs> so it could be one of those three things. Or Whitaker, the Stone indictment might have not been sealed prior to Whitaker being there. Whitaker might block the Stone indictment, and we don't know. Intercepted. Yeah. <laughs> so we could get a Manafort report where Mueller's like, can't tell you part of an open and ongoing investigation but he hasn't indicted stone yet and it could be because Whitaker, Whitaker blocked that indictment and we wouldn't know so uh, I feel so Come helpless on, flies. <laughs> get cameras <laughs> <laughs> 
Then we found out, and this is so great, Ivanka Trump has used a private email account to send government emails, which Trump defended, saying it's different because she didn't delete anything, which is funny because that's basically saying that the cover-up is worse than the crime, <laughs> yet he's been covering up collusion for two years. Ooh, burn. Uh, there's an investigation into her utilization of a private email account, and we'll keep you updated on that. I don't think it'll rise to the level of criminality, just like the Hillary emails didn't rise to the level of criminality, unless, of course, there's an email where she says she knows she's being a criminal, um, or if the Department of Justice can somehow prove criminal intent, which is a really high bar. It's a really high standard of proof um, for, for that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't know that it'll happen. But it's worth investigating, at least. And it's also very hypocritical. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, if nothing else, to just call them on their bullshit. I want to say, like, Trey Gowdy get really pissed off at Ivanka. That mm-hmm. would make- he is. Did you see that? Oh. Trey Gowdy actually called for an investigation into the Ivanka email. That's right. what's up. Yeah. I was yeah. like, fuck yeah. Nice. I love what you weird. said on Twitter, uh, H-E, I think. It was subpoena butter emails jelly times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Somebody asked what I would serve Trump for Thanksgiving, and I said a subpoena butter jelly sandwich. And somebody goes subpoena butter jelly sandwich and somebody is like i want more puns and so i said subpoena butter emails jelly time time and they go no we need even more and then it came out to be i think the final uh final one was subpoena butter emails jelly molar time wow i love that thread well and done then, and then they go can you get any more i'm like that's it that's all the words that's all you got yeah, i'm tapped out that's all she wrote <laughs> no more <laughs> no more available i love puns I don't know if I love them as much as as far as I went with that, but it was good. I think it was worth it. Then we got more shocking, not shocking news about Whitaker from the Washington Post that he runs an obscure conservative nonprofit from which he received over $1.2 million in donations. Dark money. Obscure. The hmm. charity has no other employees, just him. Oh. Uh, and it's called the Foundation for Accountability and Civic Trust, mm. F-A-C-T, FACT. Classic. Classic <laughs> naming structure for sketchy organizations. Walking dildos. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom Red White America. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. The Value Family Center for Values. Nice. Um it's it's a, a self it's a self described watchdog organization dedicated to exposing unethical conduct by public officials. Apparently, the charity changed its name and its mission after the IRS approved its tax-exempt status, but there's no evidence that the mission change was reported to the IRS as required by law. Uh, It appears they never gave approval, though, and the charity could be operating outside the law. It's also illegal for a nonprofit to campaign on behalf of any candidate, which uh, this one did in the run-up to 2016, which could draw FEC complaints and hatch act violations due to potential election law problems so haha nice one of eight controversy what what a surprise (laughs) one of eight thousand things wrong with him right Mm -hmm. i love how when it's white collar crime they call it operating outside of the law like (laughs) yeah yeah there's gangs in compton that are just out operating outside of the law yeah yeah we're just operating outside of the law man it's your problem Mm -hmm. nothing to see here i don't respect lines (laughs) (laughs) oh my god okay i just have to say this there's a joke by a comedian who's just like i wonder if there's gangs that ever see that sign in a bar it's like no gangs allowed they're like man we're not welcome here let's go (laughs) yeah yeah oh dang shucks (laughs) and then they have to leave yeah i gotta find that comic anonymous that's who that is (laughs) And then, moving on to Wednesday, Supreme Court Chief Justice John Roberts made a rare public rebuke of Trump's comments on judges from the Ninth Circuit Court, where they blocked Trump's plan for refusing to consider asylum applications from immigrants who cross the border illegally, because that's fucking illegal, (laughs) Uh, which led to another Trump Twitter meltdown. He had a battle on Twitter 
with the chief justice of the Supreme Court. Earlier in the week, Trump had made a statement um, that a ruling made against the administration was made by an Obama judge. And Roberts responded saying, we don't have Obama judges or Trump judges or Bush judges or Clinton judges. What we have is an extraordinary group of dedicated judges doing their level best to do equal right to those appearing before them. And Trump lashed out on Twitter, starting a fight um, with the guy who could end up deciding whether or not Trump has to respond to a Mueller subpoena, by the way, which Giuliani (laughs) has said they will fight if issued. Trump tweeted, quote, it would be great if the Ninth Circuit was indeed an independent judiciary, putting independent judiciary in quotes, which was hilarious. (laughs) Uh, but if it but if it is, why are so many op- opposing views cases filed there? And why are I can't even read his <laughs> right? Why are vast numbers of those cases overturned? We need protection and security. These rulings make our country unsafe, very dangerous and unwise. He's basically like, if the Ninth Circuit is so great, why do they keep ruling against me? And it's like, because you keep breaking the law. Yeah. <sighs> I'm surprised. I wonder, does he actually think that he's like a victim or is he playing yes. a yes, role? He does. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think okay. he has a child brain that's fixated on any egotistical version of whatever's happening. And I think he feels like he's in charge of the judici- judiciary and he's in charge of a uh, main justice and they're, they're his mm-hmm. and they should be at his you know, work at his pleasure. And uh, that's wow. not how it works. There's, that's the check and balance thing. And he never watched Schoolhouse Rock, I guess. No. <laughs> also, Wednesday, Mueller. Yeah, what did he watch that made him such a monster? His dad kicked black people out of their apartments. Whoa. Well, that's the truth. That's, yeah, yeah straight up. <coughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone who watched Schindler's List and is, like, on the wrong side. Yeah, yeah. Good point. But people rooting for Hitler and watching Schindler's List. Like, Get it, that girl with the red coat. It breaks you down, yeah. <laughs> Also Wednesday, Mueller filed a motion to deny Papadopoulos' motion uh, to wait until the Miller case is decided before he reports to jail, asserting that if the court finds Mueller's appointment to be unconstitutional, Papadop thinks he shouldn't have to go to jail. Uh, the filing by Mueller used Papadopoulos' own tweets against him, <laughs> saying the reason he wants a continuance is because he feels the entire investigation has been very unfair to him. Mueller also points out that regardless of the outcome of the Miller case, Papadopoulos signed a waiver Um, that he can't appeal and he lied to the FBI and he's agreed to go to jail for it so he's not even going to jail for collusion Um, he's going to jail because he lied to the FBI (laughs) and he agreed to go to jail so Mueller's appointment has no bearing on his jail sentence at all I'm 100% sure the judge will deny uh, Papadopoulos's motion he'll have to report to jail tomorrow Monday to serve his 14 days Uh, also keep your eyes peeled for a mega story coming out about Papadopoulos this week there's going to be Huge Papa Dot beans, and I can't tell you anything <laughs> about it, but I have a source to put some beans on it. I hope it's not Tom Arnold related. <laughs> yeah, apparently Tom Arnold paid for Mangiante's ticket to wherever so that she can be there when he when he goes to jail for those fourteen long days and right. nights. <laughs> fourteen days, get over it. <laughs> Little Fucking... Darapaska boat whore. I hate that lady. <laughs> and that's God. I I apologize to horse because I and boats. That. They deserve better. And boats. <laughs> boats deserve better. Boats rights. <laughs> they do. They're like, sorry, if I could sink this one, I would, but everyone's on this thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Ship of fools. Oh, all right, you guys. I tell you what, we'll be right back. 
Hey, Muller Junkies, this episode is brought to you by Skillshare. It's an online learning platform that has over 20,000 classes in business, design, technology, all sorts of stuff. And you can take the classes in social media marketing, data science, maybe even photography or creative writing, you name it, and they have it. So whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set, which I'm always trying to do, I'm always trying to just keep up now that I'm done with school, I'm like a forever learner. Or if you just want to do a side hustle or a new passion, Skillshare is there to keep you learning. So I wanted to ask you guys, you guys went on the Skillshare website. First of all, it's really easy to use. Oh, yeah. Um, tell me what classes you guys found that you're interested in. Yeah, I really like the uh, do-it-yourself filming. It's called Creating Pro Video with Tools You Already Own. So I'm a cheapskate. So I kind of... So I can create pro video with wine? Yeah, everything. It's like, uh, yeah, t- what's it called? The MacGyver of uh, a video <laughs> video making that's cool yeah. so you can just like use what you have and make videos which is that we can end up using that for the pod absolutely that's super cool yeah, yeah yeah i found it was super easy to sign up you can sign in with facebook or google and then you go on and they have so many videos that are for free if you get the premium membership though you get access to like 20 times the amount of videos and a bunch of other additional features um, some of the ones that i found for free that i'm a big fan of are some uh, writer's habits to how to's basically i have a hard time getting into a writing routine and my brain is pretty scattered so well yeah as comics we have to like do self-discipline right Mm -hmm. no one's telling us when to write and how to write and that's especially hard for me when i'm out of school is to have that kind of disciplinary thing and that structure and so the skillshare gives that to you absolutely just for that problem they got a cool video called the writer's toolkit six steps to a successful writing habit so that's exactly what I was looking for. I just go in, you put in the topics that you're interested in, and they pop- populate a bunch of videos that relate to that topic. And we have a really special deal for um, Muller Junkies right now. You can join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today. Uh, go to Skillshare.com AG, and you'll get two months of Skillshare. Two months for 99 cents. So again, that's Skillshare is offering Muller She Wrote listeners two months of unlimited access to over 20,000 classes for just 99 cents. So to sign up, again, that's Skillshare.com slash AG. Go there, sign up, you'll be glad you did. Welcome back to Just the Facts, guys. We left off on Wednesday's news. Uh, Giuliani made comments on Mueller's written questions. Uh, we know, you know, like I said, Trump turned in his written questions. Well, Giuliani made some comments saying he thinks there are more questions to come. And he said, quote, we'll consider them and answer them if necessary, relevant and legal. Because, right, Bob, Bob Mueller's just going to ask illegal questions. <laughs> um, if it was something that would uh, be helpful, relevant and not a law school exam is what Giuliani says, because asking questions like, did you know about the meeting on June 9th, 2016, is apparently law school level shit. Mm-hmm. Wherever he went to law school, I guess. Yeah, perjury trap. Yeah, I like to imagine they just gave him a timeline that draws out and labels everything they'd be asking, just like a how-to answer guide for mm-hmm. him. How, mm-hmm. how to conceptualize what we're talking to you about. And apparently a report came out that said when, when Trump got some of the questions early in January, he canceled a meeting with Mueller. I think we already reported on that, but it's out in the news again. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I have to read. <laughs> Can't read. I'm not going to read. Um, Giuliani said Trump may face more questions from Mueller on obstruction of justice. No shit. Rudy, thank you. You went to law school to figure that one out. <laughs> uh, one of the questions is whether or not Trump knew about the June 2016 Trump Tower meeting. And another was if Trump knew Russia had stolen emails when he asked on July 27th in a speech, if Russia, if you're listening, if you could find the 30,000 emails that are missing. Um, and that's big news there. Um, and Mueller 
here, here, here's why I think it's so important. Mueller would not ask these questions if he didn't already know the answer and if he didn't already have proof corroborating those answers. That gives us a big clue that Trump did know about the Trump Tower meeting and he did know Russia had the stolen emails when he made that comment. So keep your eyes out for that um, in the Stone indictments and put some beans on it. Uh, and speaking of the Trump Tower meeting, I had an opportunity to talk to somebody about it who was in the meeting. Joining us today to talk about his new book, Pop Stars, Pageants, and Presidents, How an Email Trumped My Life, is Rob Goldstone. Rob, welcome to Mueller, she wrote. Pleasure. Nice to speak with you. Rob, I wanted to ask you um, about your book here. I've, I've gone through it, I've read it, and I, I just wanted to know what prompted you to write it? What, what started you off on this path? You know, I've thought a lot about that, and, and, and the answer's always the same to me, which is I wanted an opportunity to tell my story. And some people listening might think, well, we've read your story a million times, and that's why I wrote it. I'd also read the story of who I was supposed to be or who I was or what people thought I was a million times. And I wanted to tell the real story and tell it with my own voice. And I decided the best way to do that was to write a book. So that's what I did. So in your mind uh, on that on that thread, what is what are some of the main differences between you um, and what kind of the perception of you has been in the media? What are some of the main differences you've noticed? Well, I, you know, again, I'm not sure how much of it you've seen, probably quite a lot. But I've been called everything from, you know, a, a puppet of the Kremlin, Putin's puppet, to a democratic plant, somebody that represents fusion GPS, somebody that was put there by Hillary's campaign to destabilize Donald Trump. Uh, I've been called a clown, an idiot, a fool, a this, a that. So those are some of the things. But one of the things that consistently seemed to, to go through this, especially when I met people or, or heard from people, was this idea they would say to me, well, are you happy now? You know, your candidate, you got Trump elected, you have him in the White House. Well, I never voted for Donald Trump. I never supported Donald Trump. So I suppose the biggest misconception for me that people had was that somehow I was a champion of Donald Trump. Okay, well, <clears throat> let's see if I can ask you a few questions and maybe we can set the record straight. Um, of course, you know, uh, my podcast here, our podcast is Mueller, she wrote. So we're very interested in the Mueller investigation and all aspects of it. So I kind of really wanted to focus on Chapter 14, which you've entitled The Infamous Email. And uh, if, if that's OK, I have a few questions about that for you. Absolutely. So why do you think that Amin Agalarov picked you uh, to set up the meeting? Was it to keep the activity away from others, maybe, and create plausible deniability? Do you have any inkling as to why he selected you to set this meeting up? Well, I, I would have been surprised if uh, Emin or any other member of the Aguilera family that I knew um, had chosen anybody other than me. Uh, and the reason for that was that for the previous three or four years, um, Emin had been my client. First, I was his publicist. And for the previous three years, I'd been his manager. And during that time, we had done, I suppose the most famous thing we did was stage Miss Universe in Moscow. And so it was kind of through that, that we met Donald Trump. And so the, the, the relationship was always um, Emin through me, 
to the Trumps, but that was only because I was based in the state. He was based in Moscow. Um, it was easier, you know, I say this phrase and I don't mean it to sound glib, but you know, when you're a rich oligarch, you don't pick up your own phone. Many people have said, why wouldn't he or his father have just picked up the phone and called Donald Trump? Well, my answer to that is, over the years, a, a long number of decades, I've worked for people both famous or rich or none of the above. They don't pick up their own phones. They have people like me to do it for them. And the reason for that often is because if the answer comes back no, I know how to couch that no. That's what I'm good at. I can do a little dance. So it's not like somebody's dismissed what you want. It's that, you know, it didn't quite work. It was the wrong day. It was the wrong. I think you know what I mean. So to me, it was an obvious that they would ask me to try and set up this meeting because I was Emin's conduit, for one of the better words, to all things in the state. And this was just another of those things. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, I, I remember reading uh, in your book here that when uh, you were having this conversation with Amin and you were trying to pump him for the information about what the meeting was about uh, and he wasn't really forthcoming with any of that, you kind of had a gut check and you thought to yourself, nothing good can come of this. And I think you actually said that to him. And it, it... I did. I, said, I did say those words. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. I did say those words. Um, I said this is a really bad idea. Nothing good can come from this. But I have to say that it would be, it would be easy for me to say, well, the reason I said that is because blah, blah, blah. But the reason I said it was actually a bit selfish. And I said it because, first of all, I said to him, you know nothing about politics. I know nothing about politics. This is a really bad idea. You, I, I don't even understand what you're talking about. That was the first thing. And he couldn't articulate, either couldn't or didn't want to articulate in detail what it was I was being asked to do. So my idea of saying it's a really bad idea was not about that. It was that I selfishly wanted to keep any favor or any ask that I might have to do on his behalf for if in the slightest chance Donald Trump would be elected president, which nobody on this planet at the time thought he would, I would have that ask. And what I would have wanted to do is say, hey, Emin, who we've met, you know, and all of that would love to, I don't know, film something in the Rose Garden, would love to take a photo in the White House. That's what I would have been happy to do the ask. This, to me, seemed totally out of sorts, and on a, in a selfish way, I didn't want to use an ask on something that, that just seemed to me so bizarre for him to ask. So that was the reason. I wish I could say the reason was because I knew it was wrong. That wasn't the reason. It was I wanted to selfishly keep an ask up my sleeve if we ever needed it to help his career not some random lawyer that he seemed to know very little about. Okay, so you, you thought you might be kind of banking favors. I thought, you know, em, you know, Emin had asked me a, a year or two before that when Miss Universe was in Moscow, he said to me, can you get Donald Trump to be in my music video? I was like, you're out of your mind. Because he goes, no, 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 but he likes you. I said, okay, I get it. I've met him for an hour as you have, but okay, I'll try. Well, I got Donald Trump to be in his music video. So I got Donald Trump to wish his father happy birthday. I'd done a bazil I got Emin on the Today Show when no one had ever heard who he was. I'd done all kinds of these things. It wasn't beyond the realm of possibility that I could maybe try and do something like that. But that I would have been willing to try. Whether I could or couldn't, I've no idea. This, to me, 
seemed like a really bad idea because it was, if it was, if it was what he said it was, to me, it was like, what's the point? It doesn't benefit you anyway. And if anything was to go wrong with it, and by go wrong, I mean that it turned out to be something completely vacuous or ridiculous, then it would embarrass not just him, but also me. The one thing I didn't think, and, and I put it down to the fact that maybe because I grew up in England and I didn't grow up, I suppose, around American politics and had very little interest in it, a light didn't go off. And so, you know, that, that I suppose with hindsight, of course, it would now to go, wait, 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 you can't even or you shouldn't really even do this ask, let alone is it right or wrong. So that wasn't the reason. As I say, the reason were the things I mentioned that they were they were more selfish than anything else. Okay, so my follow-up question to to that was, you know, why did you do it? And and that's kind of the answer there is that um... it's the answer, but also there's another part to that. When you manage somebody really closely uh, for a long time, you you're used to their quirks and all their little asks and things and whatever, because that's the role of a manager, especially in the entertainment business. You know, you deal with egos and you deal with crazy asks. Um, in a way, it was easier just to placate my client and go, fine, Allah, than to continue down this road of, you probably read in my book where when I keep asking who this attorney is and he says, oh, it's a well-connected, well-connected. In the end, I glibly say, well, connected to what? The power grid? And then there was no answer. And, and, and you get to a point where you know you can push and push but you're not getting any more information. And so really it was to, you know, placate. I've done my bit. I've said, I think it's a bad idea, you know, all of the above. And ironically, and I will say hindsight is a wonderful thing, but ironically, when I read some of the Senate judiciary's public reports on other people's uh, uh, testimony, I read that not only had Emin sent me uh, an email a few months later or when the story broke, however many months later, uh, I mean, years later, that was a year, wasn't it? Um, but in it, he said to me, you have to believe that I was also against all possibilities of this meeting. He'd said to somebody else, you know, I just wish my dad had listened to me like about this meeting. And, you know, it seemed like hindsight's great, but if you just listened to me at the time, you maybe wouldn't be in this drama that you're in now. Yeah, and it's actually probably uh, for the best that... Uh, and neither would I, I may add. Neither would I. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say it's probably for the best that you didn't that you had limited information. It's probably for the best. And the other part of it is um, a couple of people have said to me, some interviewers said to me, actually, aren't you annoyed that Don Jr. asked you to sit in on the meeting when you were never supposed to? And aren't you mad at him? And I said, no, I'm the complete opposite. Because if I had never sat in on that meeting, which I wasn't supposed to sit in on, I suppose I wouldn't know what was said at that meeting. And I, too, would have, I suppose, been open to believing that all sorts of things were said. I sat in on that meeting, so I know what was said. And in a way, it's, I'm, I'm grateful for that part. Because, it, you know, this whole idea of the meeting and asking for it, and there's all kinds of implications which Mueller and his team have been sifting through for a long time now, and I'm sure they'll come to a conclusion, whatever that is. But the one thing I will say is having sat in that meeting, well, it was nonsense. I mean, it was nonsense. But when you have hindsight and you understand the importance of the Magnitsky Act and the importance of it to her 
and to the Russians, then it's not nonsense. But at the time, I'm really glad I was there because if not, I wouldn't have known what to think. And I, I really would have said, thought, well, maybe I was set up and maybe it was something far more sinister. So you had mentioned the Miss Universe uh, pageant and uh, recent media reports out here have suggested that Trump actually did speak with Putin. I know, I, I know that before those stories were that he wanted to and he wanted to meet Putin and he thought maybe they would become best friends. Uh, but apparently there's now reports out and I, I don't have the sourcing for it at the moment, but that he actually had a call with uh, Putin. Do you know anything about that? No, but what he had uh, was a call uh, via Emin's father. Again, I was present in the room at the time with Dmitry Peskov, who is the spokesperson for uh, President Putin. And this call was this long-awaited, will it happen, won't it happen, will they meet, won't they meet, what's happening? And the reason I was there was because it was so late in the day, it was literally a few hours before the contest was due to take place, and we were all called into a conference room and, um, and Putin's spokesperson called uh, to Emin's father and said that President Putin sent his apologies, but that they couldn't meet because the King of Holland, who had a scheduled meeting, was delayed in traffic. And I thought it was the most bizarre thing I'd ever heard. And when I told this story, to, um, it wasn't the Mueller team, but it was to one of the congressional teams. Afterwards, one of the guys asking the questions um, for the majority, uh, yeah, for the majority, came up to me and said, I have to tell you that you should send the King of Holland the biggest bunch of flowers that exist in the world, because had he not been delayed and you'd gone with Trump, to a private meeting at the Kremlin with Vladimir Putin, can you imagine how much more awful your life would be right now? And I smiled and I said to him, you know what? I'm dedicating my book to the King of Holland. And if you look, my book is dedicated to King Willem Alexander of the Netherlands. And that's why. I did see that. I was going to ask you about that too. So that's, that, that's why. And they didn't meet. They didn't meet. I mean, Trump, when he came back, you know, when he was interviewed about Putin, I believe right when he started running for, for president, I know Putin, I've met Putin, I've seen Putin. And then people said, but wait, did you really meet Putin? I didn't meet Putin. I don't meet Putin. I think if you look, you'll see that he, he changed that to, oh, I, I've never met him or spoke to him. Uh, I think it was one of his maybe more grandiose statements that was taken out of context. But that's the closest he came to it during the time of Miss Universe. And again, I know that because I was there. Well, that's kind of one of his MOs, though, either being delayed or being late. Um, they were late to that. <clears throat> they were late to the Trump Tower meeting. Uh, they were late to the Helsinki summit. The, he likes to be late. It's a, I think it's a power play. But um, uh, you, you had said in your book here that you had two choices to try to get Trump to try to contact Trump himself through Rona Graf or email Junior, Don Jr., and you you said you felt he was more likely to respond. Why do you think he was more likely to respond? Because if I'm being brutally honest, and why not honest is a good thing, right? I don't think too many people were asking too much of Don Jr. I think everybody was focused on Ivanka or on Jared. And so I thought, you know what? Let me send this to Don Jr. It might just grab his attention. And if I could write it in the right way, using what Emin had told me and, and beef it up a bit, puff it up a bit, it'll probably get his attention. And as you'll note from the email, 
in it, what I actually suggest is that he and Emin speak directly about this. And again, it gets overlooked, not by everyone, but a lot. His answer wasn't, dear Rob, I would love to have a meeting. How about tomorrow? His answer was, I, if, it's, if it's what you say it is, I love it. And we can talk about that in a second because I have a different interpretation of that. But then he says, perhaps you're right. I should just speak with Emin first. And I then set up the call and the rest is history. So my email, I've always maintained, got the call. It didn't get the meeting. After they'd had the call, I got an email from Don saying, thanks, Rob, for setting it up. And then Emin emails me and goes, oh, he knows all about it. The meeting's going to be on whatever day it is, Thursday. I think it was on a Thursday. And Don then says, oh, and I believe it will be me plus Paul Manafort and Jared Kushner. So I thought, oh, well, that must have been some call because now it's gone from me asking for some call and a meeting with Don and the lawyer to Jared Kushner and the chairman of the campaign being in, in the meeting. So I, I just want to add to that. When people say to me, why wouldn't you, Rob Goldstone, have thought, why wouldn't a bell have gone off and you'd have gone, you can't have this meeting like with a rush? Well, I grew up in Manchester in England. I had no idea whether I could have a meeting or not. I wasn't even supposed to be at the meeting. Wouldn't Paul Manafort have known that? You know, once he was brought into it, well, it never even crossed my mind that there could be anything wrong with it because the chairman of the campaign was due to be in the meeting. So, you know, again, that, that's the course of events. That's how it, how it actually happened. But as I say, I've always maintained my, my email, although it said following my email and meeting, there was a caller in the middle. That's what got the meeting, not my email. Well, you would think Manafort would know better. Um... And maybe he did. <laughs> That's a whole. He would do in theory. And again, maybe he did. Yes, lots of people say that. Maybe he did know better. But but I always say, you know what? I'm willing to, you know, bite a bullet for this one and say, yes, maybe I should have known better, but I didn't. But you would think that the chairman of the campaign might. Yeah. Well, when you 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 know you didn't explicitly say anything about why you thought uh, Don Jr. would be more likely to take the meeting, but reading between the lines, it did seem kind of like an ego thing um, to me, at least. Um, again, I go back to the fact that if I was an idiot in all of this, he was maybe only slightly marginally above the title of idiot when it comes to politics, perhaps. But it doesn't matter. There was a idiot junior, idiot, but there was a campaign chairman in there. I don't want to throw Paul Manafort or anybody else under a bus. He's thrown himself under quite a big enough bus without. Uh, you don't have to. Uh, the United States exactly. uh, intelligence agencies have but, thrown him under the bus just saying, fine. Which is even if I was an idiot or someone else knew, there's a campaign chairman involved in this. Why wouldn't he have said we can't have this meeting? And the implication to me was, well, you can have it. So. I leave it there, but that, that's all I have to say. But I will absolutely come back and speak to you anytime, and uh, I wish you the best of luck. Great. I really appreciate it. Can't wait to talk to you about that. Uh, everybody's book is called Pop Stars, Pageants, and Presidents, How an Email Trumped My Life. It's available wherever books are sold. Rob Goldstone, thanks for coming on Muller, She Wrote. Pleasure. Goldstone. <laughs> so crazy you got that interview. I know.
it's weird. My life is weird. <laughs> he was just so happy I wasn't a jerk to him. That is nice. Yeah, yeah. refreshing, I'm sure, for someone in his position. <laughs> someone who's a yeah, yeah, mind. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I, and you know, he, you know, as he said in the interview, he's like, "Look, man, I just set up a phone call. I didn't even set up the meeting. I set up the phone call, and then I washed my hands of it, and it, nothing ever had ever occurred to me. He's he's British anyway. He's not familiar with the laws. He's trying to put it behind him. <laughs> <clears throat> he is. I liked how he left it, left it open to the end. He's like, uh, I'm pretty sure nothing went down in that meeting but we'll see yeah. we'll see i'm like yeah. yes we will see um mm-hmm. that's the great thing about Mueller. he and i thought it was funny that he said the whole reason he wanted to do the interview because he loved the name of our podcast so much that's mm-hmm. amazing it was genius that's cool if you want to hear the entire 50 minute interview unedited we're releasing it as a bonus episode for patrons so to become a patron and get access to all of our bonus content you can do that at patreon.com slash she wrote um let's see what else happened this week cbs requested the unsealing of the Cohen warrants on Wednesday. Um, They aren't the first news organization to do so. Mueller will likely file a motion to block this as it could jeopardize and open an ongoing investigation just as he's done the last couple of times people wanted to unseal the Cohen warrants. So look for that filing this week. Watch these space beans. (laughs) Also Wednesday, an independent federal investigative agency called American Oversight is looking into whether Matthew fucking Whitaker violated the Hatch Act by accepting contributions to his 2014 Senate campaign earlier this year. What? 2014? Earlier this year, you say? Yes. Last January, four individuals donated a total of $8,800 to the committee for Whitaker's losing 2014 run for Senate, according to FEC documents. A spokesperson for the Office of Special Counsel, not Mueller's, but a different Office of Special Counsel, confirmed receipt of the complaint, and they have opened a case file on the matter. So wow. We'll keep you posted. Hmm. All right. That's yeah. interesting. He took so donations keeps, yeah, <laughs> their this lost year campaign. for a campaign he lost four oh, years ago. God. That's really sad. What a dildo. Yeah. Then on Thursday, we found out that Goodlot, he's the lame duck chair of the House Judiciary Mm -hmm. Committee, subpoenaed Comey and Loretta Lynch for a closed-door interview. And this is just a Hail Mary thrown broadside by the embattled Republicans who are about to lose power in the House in a last-ditch effort to try to beat the dead horse known as Hillary's emails. (laughs) Uh, And it's especially hilarious given that Ivanka Trump is now facing scrutiny for her use of a private email account. Um, Comey responded on Twitter on Thanksgiving saying, hey, happy Thanksgiving, guys. I got a subpoena. Uh, I'm not going to go. <laughs> <laughs> he won't go um, unless the hearing takes place publicly, citing that the subpoena is an abuse of process for political reasons. And uh, no comment from Lynch so far. Wow. I love the dead horse reference. It makes me think that like her email could be deadhorse2016 at gmail.com. <laughs> deadhorse69 at AOL. There you go. <laughs> do you think... Um, oh. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, do you think that Comey has to have specific representation to fight something like that? Because it seems... He just has such a held such a high position, you know. I wonder if it would be poor form for him to just directly. Well, he's a private citizen now, so here's how I figure it will go. Uh, if he refuses the subpoena, he could be um, brought into court, and he could say, "Go ahead and hold me in contempt," uh, and he could fight the subpoena uh, as what did he call it? He said it was uh, an abusive process for political reasons mm. in court, just like Miller, Andrew Miller's trying mm-hmm. to fight. Mueller mm-hmm. in court. Do you Miller's think he'd not. do it without counsel? Yeah, no, he would. He would get. He would get a lawyer. Right. Okay. Maybe get the same lawyer that Burke and Bannon have <laughs> in Priebus or Miller. <laughs> no, because he's gonna lose. Uh, no, it's always good to have counsel. Yeah. Um, especially as a private citizen. Right. The man mm-hmm. who represents himself represents a fool. Oh. I don't know where I got that, but I didn't write it. But it sounds good. <laughs> 
Then Raw Story reported Thursday that the House Intel Committee Democrats are hiring money laundering experts to investigate Trump's financial ties to Russia. One of the multitude of reasons flipping the House was so important. So thank you for voting. Mm -hmm. Finally, Friday, the New York Supreme Court threw out Trump's motion to dismiss New York Attorney General Barbara Underwood's lawsuit against the Trump Foundation. Uh, Crimes that can't be pardoned, by the way, because it's a state court. Judge Scarpula. (laughs) What? Judge Scarpula noted that the defendants, quote, have failed to cite a single case in which any court has dismissed a civil action against a sitting president on supremacy clause grounds, where, as here, the action is based on the president's unofficial acts. Sweet. Mm. And as we know, uh, this Monday is the deadline for Mueller to report to the court just how extensive Manafort's cooperation was. We touched on this earlier. Mueller wanted to hold off for 10 days because he said he would have substantial information he could give the court if they just wait a little longer. Just hang on, guys. I'll have some really good stuff for you. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, that's the deadline is tomorrow, Monday. Um, And we'll see if he indicts people or if he asks for more time or if he simply tells the court they're ready to proceed to sentencing without revealing aspects of the ongoing investigation into Russian collusion, which we've already touched on this. So we'll look for that, um, what happens in that. And also Friday, Trump says he wants his transgender military ban to go directly to the Supreme Court. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. <laughs> bypassing the lower courts, likely because the conservative balance of SCOTUS might be better odds for him. Um, he's got two judges he appointed. But SCOTUS very rarely takes those cases, and they don't like to circumvent the lower courts. And I'm pretty sure SCOTUS will reject this request, despite Trump's arguing it's a matter of national security. <laughs> it's a matter of national security. Escalate it to my friends. <laughs> And finally, Trump is eyeing a guy named Ayers to replace John Kelly as his chief of staff. Oddly, Ayers is Mike Pence's chief of staff, which makes me wonder if everyone thinks Pence could become president soon. Could just be a coincidence. I don't know. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies, it's time for the holidays, which means I'm not touring as much, but that doesn't mean I don't have a ton of errands to run. And something that saves me uh, so much time is Stamps.com. I get to have all of the services of, of, of the post office right at my desk. It's absolutely incredible. And not only is it convenient for me, but I, you know, I can buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, any size at all which really helps us out when we're sending out our gifts to our patrons. Um, The great thing is it's also 24-7. I don't have to wait until the post office opens or the post office closes, which is good for me because I'm out doing crazy stuff all day long uh, with my 17 jobs that I have. So it's really important to me to be able to have that convenience and to have every single thing the post office offers right at my desk. Also, it saves me money because if I just use a bunch of stamps, I'm going over on my postage. But what stamps.com allows me to do is print the exact postage. So I'm not overpaying at all for anything. So it saves me money. It saves me time. It's convenient. It's 24-7. And that is why I always use and trust stamps.com to do all my shipping. So with all the time and money you'll save, stamps.com is the best gift you can give yourself this holiday season. Self-love, self-care. I'm really big on that. So... Go right now to Stamps.com and sign up because you're going to get a special offer. You'll get a four-week trial plus postage and a free digital scale without any long-term commitments. Go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in AG. Again, go to Stamps.com, click on that little microphone, and enter AG. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. 
hot notes. All right, guys, time for hot notes. Today, Jordan is going to go over Trump's embarrassing public appearances. But first, Jaleesa's Racial Maddow segment features a story about a contentious West Wing meeting regarding the deployment of troops to the border over the holidays. Jaleesa, what do you have for us? Oh, yeah. So on Thursday, Politico published an article called Fiery West Wing Meeting Led to More Power for Military at U.S.-Mexico Border. So basically, some of Trump's cabinet members squared off with some of the White House aides over an order. This picture in my head of people like getting ready to back. Like I do ready too. To rumble like West Side Story. Yeah, and they're snapping. I thought the same right, thing. Ag like, slappy hands. <laughs> yeah, or like the video from Michael Jackson's Bad. Yes, you know where they're dancing and having the knife fight. I'm it's in my head. We're kindred spirits. That's exactly what crossed my mind. Excellent. Yes. So, um, basically, some of the Trump cabinet members claim that this order is beyond the president's constitutional powers. And keep in mind, this all comes after the Army Lieutenant General who's overseeing the southern border told Politico that the 5,000 troops deployed there did not have the authority to use lethal force to protect Border Patrol agents. So the order that was behind beyond his power is the use of lethal, lethal force. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. he said, like, if they throw rocks, it's like a gun. He meant it. Yeah. Yeah. So as a result, Trump just whipped up an executive order hot off the press, granting troops deployed uh, at the southern border the right to use lethal force to defend Border Patrol agents. This was immediately after this claim was made. So he was like on it. And it's kind of like a ask for permission to kill and you shall receive situation. So in response, the cabinet, White House aides and advisors all got together and had a calm and productive discussion about immigration. I'm kidding. Of course not. <laughs> they exploded <laughs> into full on war. I was like looking over your shoulder like that's not what that says. <laughs> I love Are it. Are you reading that? Are you high? Are you reading that Always. correctly? I'm doing both. <laughs> I love it. You're like, mm, a very productive meeting. It was super nice. Mm-hmm. No one said fuck once. <laughs> Except for just now. And on one side of the argument, uh, leading the charge against Trump was Chief of Staff John Kelly and Department of Homeland Security Secretary Christian Nielsen. And their main opponents on the issue were Senior Policy Advisor Stephen Miller. We should call him Stephen fucking Miller. <laughs> and President of the National Immigration and Customs Enforcement Council, Chris Crane was there and president of the Border Patrol Union Brandon Judd was there. I thought it was also fun to mention that Mike Pence was there, but he refused to take a stand, which is true Pence fashion. I just like figure he was just sitting there sipping his tea or something. <laughs> he <laughs> knows that's bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Even Pence, the like the most fucked up guy in the universe is like this is beyond me yeah yeah he's watching them like children just fight over this uh and eventually even kelly and nielsen cave to the president's position probably because they know it's going to get struck down and trump's going to fire them anyways but nonetheless on tuesday the order was signed granting the military lethal authority at the border so the only person that was actually still openly opposed to this order of all people was emmett flood <laughs> he was emmett one- t flood yeah. he's actually one of the reasonable adults in the mm-hmm. white house it's right interesting now. He, he's yeah. the guy who we thought was going to take over from again mm-hmm. yeah uh, he's, and he i think he is temporarily um a white house counsel but he's one of trump's lawyers especially on the russia case yeah he's got to get him on his shoulders at least about this immigration issue he warned that the order was likely to run into constitutional roadblocks which i assume is flood talk for i wouldn't do that if i were you so you know basically. yeah no but if it's overturned it's because the ninth circuit is full of obama judges <laughs> It's not because what I'm doing is illegal and exactly. ridiculous. Nielsen claims that there was no argument over the order. So this is her saying that, uh, quote, I've been clear, our agents and officers must have the ability to protect themselves and to be protected by others if they face critical situations on the border. So she just changed her mind, and now she's claiming the fight never happened. So, you know, I'm trying to look like they're professional, but... There's the- a big damn difference between authorization to use lethal force and defending yourself if you're attacked. That too. Lethally. Like... 
nothing no you know what yeah no that's exactly what i was just thinking it's like okay if a four-year-old comes up to you and is about to kill you then but like if 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 somebody in the caravan uh comes up and rips off his honduran mask and he's an isis underneath which is how they would say it <laughs> that's how they imagine it he's yeah. an isis they're with all polio. yes <laughs> and you know an isis with leprosy um which actually wouldn't be a threat. But anyway, uh, you know, if, if there is a dangerous person who has a firearm who shoots at a, a soldier, yes, you have authorization to use lethal force. That's within the Geneva Conference. It's within the laws of engagement. It's in the military, Uniform Code of Military Justice. So, you, you know, th- these are things you can do. And you don't need to sign a separate order to make that okay. And that's what it sounds like Kristen Nielsen, Kirsten yeah, Christian with a Christian. J. Kirsten. It's very it's Kirsten. Kirsten. Oh, the J. J. The J is silent. silent because she's white AF. Wow. Uh, Kirsten <laughs> Nielsen uh, is the one who's like, no, you know, uh, no, this is about that. It's about uh, they're being able to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. No. That is the biggest pile of bullshit. It's about getting your base, your idiotic base, riled up about that. Yeah, yeah. She's pulling a blue lives matter or, or green lives. Whatever and it's also color about you is. know if they do shoot some children or some refugees or some asylum seekers. Um, women or whatever or unarmed men then they'll be able to say we had this authorization signed yep she's i hate her yeah not all laws are good yeah for sure so with that all being said this order clearly demonstrates the extent of the president's immigration powers even if they are (laughs) self-imposed but a lot of legal experts are saying that trump shouldn't hold his breath because his executive orders on immigration have been suspended before even recently with his order denying asylum to some migrants illegally crossing the border also earlier this month a judge ruled that trump's decision to end daca or daca was unconstitutional so naturally i'm expecting the same fate for this most recent order considering that it also violates a federal law that prohibits the U.S. military from acting as law enforcement agents on American soil. It's called the Posse something law. Do you know how to pronounce that? It's it's the one that they're using in this argument. It just means that they can't. P O S S E. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The posse. Yeah. The po- posse law. So yeah, basically, there's already that precedent that says they can't do this. So we're just waiting for yeah, the judge and, to. Yeah, and the military, you can't. The military rules also say that. It's just. I don't that's just messed up to me I don't and it will get overturned they're drawing down the troops anyway they're not going to even be engaging yeah it's showboating but yeah but in the fact I don't know it's just uh, yeah it's the dumbest thing like you were like oh we're going to sign this thing says you can use lethal force Mm -hmm. that makes me wonder if Trump actually thinks that this caravan is a threat um, which I don't think he does or he would have mentioned it after the election but his base might actually doesn't he knows that Mm -hmm. right well thank you for that reporting damn for sure I'm like, whoa, and I I read it. (laughs) (laughs) They had a very productive uh, meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such an absurd decision and thing to try to peddle. It's absolutely absurd. It's just so, and I don't want to, I shouldn't say that. It's just so dictatorial. It's so banana republic. It's so. Yeah. Well, when did the Nazis be called Nazis? At what point? Yeah. (laughs) I was going to say trying to create some sort of formalized language that will justify you potentially killing children. Yeah. That's pretty Nazi-like. I think (laughs) the reason I don't want to use Nazis is because that is is specifically an anti-Semitic You're right. situation. Yeah, we could find a different word. Trump, right. Trumpians and, and are And these are Hondurans and Venezuelans and, and Guatemalans and uh, Mexicans and mm-hmm. people, you know, people from South America, Central and South America. So I don't want to take away from the horror of the Holocaust in Nazi Germany 
that um, the Jews faced um, by using that same terminology. I'm kind of trying to be really cognizant of that. You're right. I appreciate it that. It needs its own term. I should distinguish it too. And it would I guess be like Nazis if, you know, if I said, you know, them keeping me three extra minutes at yoga is slavery. Right. And, and I'd be, be like, like mm, come on, AG. Could, we, could you find another word? <laughs> and I'd be like, yeah, I should probably do that. <laughs> Uh, so th- it's that kind of thing. It's just that kind of respect for yeah. for what what happened with the with them. Anyway, sorry, didn't want to go into that, but we'll we'll come up with another term. In fact, if you have a term for it, uh, banana republic, dictatorial, uh, and something that's um, Nazi like, but not Nazi, not the word Nazi for Trump yeah. supporters, at us. Yeah, yeah. Or for what's going on at the border, or yeah. you know, the separation his administration. Of children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Send it uh, at at us on Twitter at Mueller. She wrote. I want to know what you what we should call it because we need a new word. We yeah. do. Jordan, tell us about the amazing and completely, I don't know, well-spokenness <laughs> of our of our dear leader this week in the Fox News interview and on ha- that amazing phone call to the troops. I'm really excited to hear about this. Yeah, so Trump went on Fox News and gave a very typical interview for himself on Friday. Um, by typical, of course, I mean it was like riddled with delusions of grandeur, uh, warped senses of reality, and the devil's whisper. But so... <laughs> It's <laughs> the devil's whisper. Nice. Sounds like a perfume. <laughs> mm, the devil's whisper. <laughs> oh yeah, by Ivanka. <laughs> oh nice. Yeah. It'll, it'll be it'll be on shelves next week. It, uh, it comes out after her fragrance, Azerbaijan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, the, so Chris Wallace starts out the interview also i have to give mad props to chris wallace again in this interview he does a really good job of pressing trump on things that he just does not want to hear at all and i love anyone that's going to make fox news a hostile working environment for trump (laughs) that that makes me very happy so they start out the interview trump starts out by saying that the white house is working like a well-oiled machine then turns to the camera and is like shout out to my big oil homies (laughs) just kidding he didn't do that i'm like we did (laughs) he always says well-oiled machine doesn't he Mm -hmm. yeah oiled with schmear not ice Mm -hmm. yeah because when he was born they were still using that for everything i should to be contextual here because we got that really great compliment that we were curatorial uh journalists uh from seth abramson in the guardian this week uh what i mean by schmear not ice uh tell him jordan yeah, well, I imagine you're talking about the White House staffers that were in charge of mm-hmm. vetting people's security clearances that were all smeared off icing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they were icing each other, yes. which apparently very professional is hiding Smirnoff ice around, and whoever finds it has to chug it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good times when I was 18 <laughs> and not in charge of national security. <laughs> Freaking awful. God, you weren't in charge of national security when uh, you were 18. I didn't think so. I mean, I could have been. You weren't like rushing the sorority and also vetting ah! <laughs> folks to work at the White House while chugging Smirnoff ice? Yeah. That's what I picture. Right. Anyway. To be fair, all of us had the same experience that Donald Trump does. So, yeah, entirely. it's all a level, level playing field. <laughs> I feel like they like play a game of beer pong to decide who's going to be, you know, the, the principal deputy under secretary of health or something. Wow. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, if I sink this one, it's totally going to be this guy. God, it's a horrifying image. That's probably ha- what's happening behind those doors. <laughs> um, okay, so so Trump Trump continues in the beginning, right off the top of the interview. He's just rambling for a while, explaining himself about stuff Wallace never asked him. It was like like if you ask an insecure person how they're doing, they're like, well, you know, haters are going to hate, but I'm just out here doing my thing. Just just me doing my thing. I'm doing my best, which is the best. <laughs> it just went insane. Walt is like, okay. They were standing too, we'll, weren't they? 
I think they were sitting. I oh, were they it. sitting? I, yeah, I, I think feel they, like they were standing. They were sitting reason. in the Roosevelt room. I'm pretty sure. Um, but he, so yeah, Wallace is just like, well, we'll start unpacking everything that you just said one by one. Uh, <laughs> let, let everyone who does that is suspect. You know, like people, you can't if you can't handle me at my worst, you can't, you don't deserve me at my best, or yeah, haters gonna hate, or you know what, these people. And I'm like, D- are you like an asshole? Like, yeah. w- does everyone hate you? Because if a lot of people hate you, <laughs> it might be time to take a swim in Lake You. Yes, <laughs> it might be time to look in or inside. That's 1, a really good percent. point. Yeah. And find out like why you have so many haters but, yes but there are people who i think live off this like trump or jacob wool mm-hmm. or cohen or roger stone these are like people who love it when people hate them one thousand percent that's weird yeah and then the people that can't just answer i'm doing great chris thank you how are you <laughs> let's start the interview like a normal great. person would yeah well old machine i'm the best what <laughs> yeah it's like god it's like where my boys at it's like the todd on um scrubs <laughs> oh, he yeah. always has to be like, I'll double your entendre. High five. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, yes. my God, settle Super down. over the top. Yeah. Uh, so once they actually start <laughs> getting to real questions, uh, Chris Wallace asks him about the firing of Jess Sessions, obviously, and about Matthew fucking Whitaker and him being the replacement. He asked Trump if he knew about Whitaker's position on the Mueller probe, to which... Trump had the audacity to respond that he knew nothing about Whitaker's take on the Mueller probe, guys. He didn't even really know the guy. Uh, I think that should be a big red flag when, like, the good answer to the reason you chose a guy for a job is, I don't know him. <laughs> that even if that's the truth, that's still not good. <laughs> yeah, not a good start. Trump goes on to say that if Whitaker... Uh, makes moves to restrict or end the Mueller probe that he will not step in and he will just let Whitaker do his job. What a noble boss he is. <laughs> he doesn't like to interfere in things, only elections. Uh, he says he says he's done answering the written questions. We talked about this. AG talked about this a little bit earlier as they relate to collusion and that there were no questions on obstruction of justice because he didn't obstruct justice, which means by that logic uh, that if he does answer the collusion questions, he must have colluded or else they wouldn't have asked the questions. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I think they say he, I think, I think their whole thing is, uh, I can't obstruct justice because I am justice. Oh, God. In Spanish, I am la ley. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Hmm. Trump's never heard of that in his life. Yeah. <laughs> it makes him uncomfortable just to even hear it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they wrap up the Mueller, the Mueller questions. Then Wallace turns to the conversation of the Saudi-ordered killing of Khashoggi. And he says that he doesn't know what the truth is and that nobody will ever know what the truth is. This is Trump saying this. But that MBS did say that he didn't do it. And there are, quote, reports that a lot of people close to him said he didn't do it either. So in the North Korean conflict fashion, he's just going to believe the dictator and ask no questions. Because (laughs) a lot of people close to him said he didn't do it. Right. Uh, The king, some other crown princes, another (laughs) prince. Mm -hmm. They all said no. Again, completely ignoring the intelligence community that did come to the conclusion that he did have a major role in ordering that killing. That's um, amazing. Yeah. And and so then after that, they move on to the midterms. And he says that the midterms were a huge victory for him. He says that he won the Senate. And then Wallace does ear porn and lists off all the voting demographics that he lost. And <laughs> Trump has to respond to his failures. And uh, this is what he says. He says, I wasn't on the ballot. My name was nowhere on the ballot. It's like, okay, well, then which is it? Did you win or was your name not on the ballot? You're a fucking child. (laughs) 
Wait, he didn't say that. He didn't ask him that, right? Or is he, that just what you... He, he did. He did? Well, what did he say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said... He, he totally grills him on this. He's like... He's... Wait, he didn't ask what? Oh, so basically, was this a referendum on you? He's like, my name wasn't on the ballot. He's like, yeah, but... He doesn't ask specifically if it was a, re- a referendum on him, but when he brings up all the gains that the Democrats got, then he switches to, my name wasn't on the ballot. He just says that. He just comes right out and gets defensive. And it's like, I didn't lose. My name wasn't on the ballot. Did when he mention the Senate? The house, when they ta- well, yeah, when they talked about because the Senate. Because that's usually what I get from Trump supporters when I talk about how we just completely wipe the floor uh, with their asses in, mm-hmm. in the House. And they're like, well, we retain the Senate. We gain two seats. I'm right. Like, oh. Yeah. Mm. That's what he says in the beginning is that he won the Senate and he wants to take credit for it and say that he won it. Then as soon as Wallace switches over to talking about the House... That's when he starts saying, well, when it wasn't even on the ballot, I didn't lose anything. And it's like, well, what are you trying to say? That you were or you weren't? Mm. Then they move on to... Then. <laughs> then. Um, then Wallace asks him about some stuff that he said relating to how uh, the military handled Osama bin Laden and Saddam Hussein. Did you see this? Yes. What he says. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. He's again, I mean, he's done this before, but just the fact that he's still doing it, he says that they should have gotten him quicker and he questions the efficiency of the team that got Osama bin Laden and Chris Wallace is like, "Are you seriously going to try to not even give them credit for bin Laden right now?" This is when he brings up McRaven mm-hmm. and he and Trump says, "It's a Clinton fan. Did yep. he say that? Exactly. Clinton fan. Exactly. He um, interrupts him to say Hillary Clinton fan. Basically mm-hmm. um, saying that if you're in the military and you are not a Trump supporter, he thinks you suck. Yep. This was a particularly infuriating point of the interview, so I'm glad you brought it out. So I'd like to uh, reenact it, if I may. Okay, so Wallace says, Bill McRaven, retired admiral, Navy SEAL, 37 years, former head of U.S. Special Operations. Trump interrupting, Hillary Clinton fan. (laughs) Wallace says, Special Operations. Trump interrupts again, excuse me, Hillary Clinton fan. Wallace says, who led the operations, commanded the operations that took down Saddam Hussein and that killed Osama bin Laden, says that your sentiment is the greatest threat to democracy in his lifetime. Trump says, okay, he's a Hillary Clinton uh, backer and an Obama backer. And frankly, and then Wallace does the interrupting. Thank you, Wallace. He was a Navy SEAL 37 years. Trump says, wouldn't it have been nice if we got Osama bin Laden a lot sooner than that? Wouldn't it have been nice, you know? Living, think of this, living in Pakistan, beautifully in Pakistan, and what I guess they considered a nice mansion, I don't know, I've seen nicer, but living in Pakistan, right next to the military academy, everybody in Pakistan knew he was there. I don't know, I've seen nicer. (laughs) You just have to slip that in. He's never been to Pakistan. He won't go anywhere near any place where our troops are because he's a goddamn chicken shit. (laughs) Yeah, because the only commentary he can add relates to mansions. (laughs) <laughs> Personally, there were no golden toilets. Fail. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> Two stars. Yeah, it's embarrassing of Aww. as everything he says is. So I'm sorry, Admiral McRaven. I I love you. I think you're amazing. Yeah, I don't know whether to laugh or cry sometimes when I hear this. And the guy who shot Bin Laden, O'Neill, I think is his name. He was like, "Oh my god, I can't even believe he did that." None of us, no one in the military cares who you voted for. None of us, not one. That's not what we're here for. Uh, that's absolutely just incredible that he said that shit. It is so disrespectful. 
so disrespectful. I, I still can't. And every it seems like on a daily basis he comes out with something that's just completely dishonorable to veterans and active duty. He's sending the 6,000 troops to the border. Mm-hmm. In, and these are just some recent things. Uh, the fact that 80,000 veterans have not received their GI Bill payments and he's done nothing about it. He hasn't even mentioned it. He hasn't even apologized for it. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that he's trying to privatize the VA by making permanent the Choice Act, which is supposed to be temporary, uh, is going to cost taxpayers a zillion more dollars because if you send a veteran out to the private sector, it costs anywhere from 115% to 500% of what Medicare rates are. And if you send them to a military treatment facility or the Department of Veterans Affairs, it's 80% or less of what Medicare rates are. That's your tax dollars that pay that. And the care is subpar and the wait times are longer. So and he wants to make that permanent because his buddies down at Mar-a-Lago <clears throat> have decided that that's going to be the best uh, for their stocks and their personal um, finances. And that, those are just two examples. We could go all the way back to him making fun of the Gold Star family, uh, being a dick to the widow on the phone. John McCain. Um, John McCain. Um, and, and I think recently Cindy McCain says she didn't want to come, had she didn't invite him because she wanted it to be a respectful event. Uh, and I, it, it just every day he does something, and I just don't get veterans and active duty service members who can possibly back him. I don't understand. Ignorance it. of his actual quotes, because Fox doesn't always show the Trump that we see. They sometimes show the better parts, or they try mm-hmm. to spin the bad parts. And young people that are probably in the military—I mean, I don't—I don't really know them personally because most of my friends are not Trump supporters. But I would imagine in San Diego, there's probably a lot of young people in the military that could be Trump supporters just because they think he's a fun guy and they don't know, they don't see how he clearly disregards them and disrespects them. I'm going to say something that could be considered controversial. Ready? Ready to hit the record (laughs) button? Emails Um, open? But pretty much every single um, veteran and active duty service member I know is shocked by these things. But there are several people who aren't. Uh, uh, There are a handful of, of them who aren't who still support Trump. And all I have to say about that is that not everybody in the military is a hero. My rapist was in the military, um, and so there you go. Yeah. That's all i got to say about that. That's a fair point. Yeah. And speaking of the troops, he does this Thanksgiving call that you've seen in the news, I'm sure. Uh, he does a teleconference. This is so good. Mm-hmm. He does a teleconference with... Feel free to jump into AG, please, with any of your commentary, especially as a I veteran. never do, though. I always... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a really weird place for me to randomly say I don't that. ever interject anything <laughs> when you guys are talking. So I have character now. Yeah. I just mean, feel free to hijack my hot note on this topic specifically um, at any point in time that you feel you would like to. So he does a, he does a teleconference with the five branches of military, and he... Is that the correct lingo to say Yes, five okay. branches of the armed forces. Armed yeah, forces, is what you perfect. Usually say. Thank you. Okay. Um, Although the Marines aren't technically their own branch, they belong to the Navy. Ha <laughs> <laughs> We love you, Sorry. Marines. <laughs> People in the Navy like to point that out. That's right. fair. They you're, are you're their own full and um, formidable branch. So yeah, Marine Corps. Yes. <laughs> Hero beef. <laughs> <laughs> Marine Corps, Army, Navy, Air Force, and Coast Guard. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So Trump, he does. This is this is a thing that is done year after year by presidents and Trump made an awful decision this year to politicize something that is historically something that is not politicized. Yeah, it's usually sacred and kept to themselves. Yes. But because he hasn't visited any troops, he felt like uh, it would make it look good, make him look like uh, I care about the troops. Right. So he calls he calls on a teleconference and does all of the, the things that people, you know, typically do, the niceties of saying happy Thanksgiving, thankful for your work, thank you for everything that you do. But then 
he can't stop himself and he goes on to talk about politics with the troops directly on a live teleconference. He goes on and on about a caravan, for example. He talks about the Ninth Circuit, as we talked about, and how they do nothing for him and they do nothing for us. He talks about, he even asks, he calls out troops specifically and asks them for their opinions on things. Opinions on topics that he's getting heat for in the media right now. Yeah, didn't he have a couple soldiers over to dinner at the White House to ask them about what he should do? Didn't we cover this in the book report? Remember how he had some uh, soldiers over to, well, what was it, ask him what he should do about... Oh, uh, yeah. What was it? Yes, I don't remember, but it's, I know, yes, that rings like a bell. He had dinner, with, which chapter he had dinner with three soldiers, and he's like, no, we have to pull out of, of Afghanistan. He wanted to end the Afghan war, and so he was telling his generals, fuck you, I don't listen to you, you guys are full of shit, I want three soldiers yes. in here. And Mattis, like, rolled his eyes like, oh, Jesus Christ. So he had dinner with three soldiers who were like, yeah, it kind of sucks over there, and, I, mm. you know, I don't understand why we're there. So he's like, see, unanimous, we're pulling out of Afghanistan, based on that dinner that he had with the three soldiers. And I appreciate him going down to the to that level to do that but like you know i think he's just looking for backing for what he wants to do already right exactly i think that's also largely a populism stunt since he knows that that's what people in his base are getting really fired up about um he he politicized it so when he, when he's talking about the caravan he even goes so far as to say later on that it's a terrible thing when judges take over your protective services when they tell you how to protect the border it's a disgrace it's like yeah isn't it isn't it so annoying when people that uh have been lifelong justices versus ethics and precedent want to <laughs> overrule the decisions made by an egomaniacal hack with zero public service in his resume dude i hate when that happens yeah <laughs> it's the worst that feeling when <laughs> tfw <laughs> that'd be an inter- interesting meme i'd see yeah yeah, yeah. it's pretty T-F-W, niche but ftw mm-hmm. um yeah, he's gonna hate. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, not too much super specific reporting came out about exactly what was said, but the the main takeaway is he took a call that is generally used as something that is apolitical and is used to just legitimately thank our armed service members for everything that they do for this country, and he turned it in to arguably a political stunt. At worst, at best, a time for him to talk about and just rant about his political ideology um and that was not appreciated at all by the members of the armed services my favorite part was the discussion about steam versus electromagnetic uh, but i'm not going to go into right. that yeah he said <laughs> he said that it's like something like is albert einstein ha- would have to yeah. operate that stuff to make it work well and the guy's like yeah albert you gotta einstein be would, a- and we do he said <laughs> we do it well he said you got to be an einstein to work steam <laughs> uh no yeah, and I think he was he was talking to them saying that it would take a genius to operate nuclear power plants or something, and then the person was like, it does, and we have those. Mm-hmm. And it goes, and we're doing it well. <laughs> yeah, and as a, as a Navy nuke, I was like, uh, mm. And I think he, I, I can't confirm or deny this, um, I think he was saying something about coal and um, <clears throat> how he, like, wanted to bring, like, well, even the difference between coal and steam for the nuclear reactors. Uh, and I was like, um... Nuclear reactors also make steam. So, I, 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 it's sometimes it's too much, AG, being a smart person trying to decode what an idiot says. It, you just gotta walk away. I know. 
I couldn't though. <laughs> I watched it and I was disgusted. And then I shared it with all my nuke friends, like, guys, he wants to bring Cole back. <laughs> mm. Anyway, um, so here's what I want to go over. About a year ago, in December, we did an episode about the Marshall Plan. It was so long ago that we still called uh, Mueller Mueller. <laughs> Uh, and you can go ahead and get on our case for that, but everybody in the media was calling him Mueller until we all learned uh, otherwise. If you want to pause and check out the episode and then come back, it might help you with the backstory a bit, but I'll sum it up here too. Um, but yeah, anyway, the episode is called The Marshall Plan, and we start talking about it around minute 34. It was a hot note for Julissa before we even called them hot notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we didn't start calling them hot notes until after episode 16 when we had Shannon Woodward on. And That's she was right. Like, hot notes. And Shout like, out. stealing that. Yeah. What's up, Shannon Woodward? We love you. Uh, basically, the reporting covered the Mayflower event, which was a small cocktail party that took place after a speech in April of 2016. And it was attended by folks, including Sessions, Russian Ambassador Kislyak, Bud McFarlane, the, he's the mentor of KT McFarlane, the deputy to Flynn, mm-hmm. three other ambassadors from nations involved with the largest ever Russian oil sale of Rosneft, including Italy, Singapore, and the Philippines. Uh, Lewandowski was there, Trump Jr., and Manafort, among a couple others. The event was hosted by the Center for National Interest, CNI. That's a right-leaning, Russia-linked group, and Trump gave a very Russia-friendly speech pri- prior to that cocktail party. Um, talking about how he would ease sanctions. And I think it was actually Maria Butina who asked the question. And everyone thought it seemed planted. (laughs) It was very uh, likely that Bud McFarlane organized the meet and greet after the speech because he was well-connected with CNI. And he'd been trying to build reactors in Saudi Arabia with the help of Russia since like 2000. And uh, we know his mentee, KT McFarlane, is connected to Maria Butina and was... um, nominated to be Trump's ambassador to Singapore after Flynn was fired. And Singapore was one of the ambassadors that was at the Mayflower. So we also now know that she had a hand in getting Tillerson installed as the Secretary of State because it was supposed to be Mitt Romney, but Mitt Romney and Trump didn't get along very well, and they ended up picking Tillerson. Um, And he's well known for his ties to Russian oil. It's also of note that this is the party where Sessions met briefly with Kislyak and then lied to Congress about it, which is what forced his recusal from oversight of the Mueller probe. Then we have the December meeting between Bud McFarlane, Flynn, and KT McFarlane uh, as the Rosneft deal was closing at Trump Tower. And we knew they were plotting to have Trump give nuclear power to Saudi Arabia. Since that meeting, Rick Perry, the energy secretary, has visited Moscow and Riyadh. And the U.S. needs Russia to help build the reactors, and Russia needs sanctions dropped to do that. And uh, pretty much everyone who lied about Russian contact and everyone who helped fire Comey was at that Mayflower meeting in April. And then don't forget about Flynn and Cobson. We had reported a long time ago that Flynn was seen at the inauguration on the dais texting his business partner Cobson, telling him, this is it, buddy, the sanctions are going to get ripped up. (laughs) And Cobson has since sent a couple of proposals for building reactors in Saudi Arabia. His idea was to station U.S. troops at the reactors so they could begin their, quote, recolonization of the Middle East, which is frightening. Mm -hmm. And that's what we kind of thought this whole thing was going for, was to recolonize the Middle East. But uh, also, uh, the pitch that McFarlane and Flynn made to Trump on Saudi Arabia involved Iran. The idea being that if the U.S. gifted nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia, uh, they could do it, but they'd have to do it with civilian reactors and not military reactors, because we can't just give military nuclear technology to Saudi Arabia to counter Iran without a problem. (laughs) So they're like, all right, it's just civilian reactors. That's very dangerous. It's like handing a kid that's getting bullied a gun. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) 
And that's where Eric Prince comes in with his meeting because he's a pipeline guy. And his meeting was set up by Nader on behalf of the United Arab Emirates in the Seychelles. Remember that meeting? Mm -hmm. And we now know they discussed the easing of sanctions on Russia. Uh, They want to make trade normal again, quote unquote. And don't forget, we also reported that Rick Perry, Trump's energy secretary, has made a couple of trips to discuss building reactors. I think I just mentioned that. Sorry. That's a repeat. Well, now there's new reporting out this week from the New York Times. Yay, New York Times. Just a year late. Um, And the lead said, I'm sorry, I love the New York Times. But the lead, because there's new information, and this is why they put the story out. The lead says that before MBS was uh, Mohammed bin Salman was implicated by the CIA in the killing of Khashoggi, American intelligence agencies were trying to determine if MBS was laying the groundwork to build a nuclear bomb. Uh, MBS has been negotiating with the Energy Department um, and the State Department, Rick, Rick Perry and Rex Tillerson up until recently, to get the U.S. to sell reactors to the kingdom in a deal worth $80 billion. The rub is, is that Mohammed Bonsan wanted to produce his own nuclear fuel, which makes no sense because you can buy it abroad for way cheaper. And this raised concerns... Um, with the United States intelligence agencies that we were they were trying to enrich their own uranium to build a bomb. And that's exactly what Obama was concerned about with Iran, which is why we signed the Iran nuclear deal that Trump has since pulled out of. Mm-hmm. MBS uh, even said earlier this year that if Iran develops a bomb, Saudi would follow as soon as possible. And he would refuse to sign an agreement that would allow UN inspectors to inspect the fuel enrichment sites. Uh, Brad Sherman, who's a Democratic member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, has said, quote, a country that can't be trusted with a bone saw shouldn't be trusted with nuclear weapons, yes. unquote. But Saudi leaders saw an opening when Trump stole the election and Flynn backed a plan that would have let Moscow and the U.S. Um, supply Riyadh with reactors. But Russian sanctions would have to be dropped or eased. So now if we ask ourselves, knowing everything we know now, why was there a push to drop Russian sanctions? Why KT McFarlane and Flynn and Tillerson were hired? Why Trump refused to punish Mohammed Bonesaw for the murder of Khashoggi. Why he's trying to buy Turkey silence by asking if there's a legal way we can deport Gulen, who Turkey tried to pay Flynn $15 million to kidnap and extradite. Mm -hmm. Why we pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal. Why Rick Perry has visited Moscow and Riyadh. Why the United Arab Emirates set up the Seychelles meeting with Prince, an oil pipeline guy. And why we still don't know what happened to that 19% commission from the sale of Rosneft. It kind of becomes clear that in exchange for a shitload of money and assistance in stealing an election, Trump is working on behalf of Saudi Arabia to develop a nuclear bomb. It seems pretty clear to me. Um, Flynn's sentencing hearing is December 4th. I'm not sure how much we'll learn in those hearings, but uh, put some beans on it. Damn. That was great. I, I really mean, enjoyed that. Great, oh yeah, great uh, reporting. Holy shit! Yeah, that's what I meant. The, yeah, the, this the whole thing sucks, though. But. Dude, the building a bomb thing made my heart sink. Like that does feel very real and terrifying. Because when we first discussed this, December seventeenth of last year, sitting around my kitchen table, we were like, "They're trying to recolonize the Middle East. What's the point?" Like we were trying to figure out what is the point mm-hmm. of building sixteen nuclear reactors in Saudi Arabia. Like, what are they trying to do? They're trying to build a bomb to counter Iran. Mm-hmm. And I don't think, and this was a Rex Tillerson thing, who was an oil guy, but I now John Bolton, I don't think John Bolton would be against that either. He hates Iran. He wants to bomb them so hard. So this is very scary to me, um, and this shouldn't be allowed to happen. But I think that this is part of that six-nation bargain, the grand bargain that Seth Abramson talks about, mm-hmm. um, what we've talked about um, as far as, as the whole Mayflower meeting. 
um, and the Marshall Plan is what we were calling it. I don't remember where I heard that because I know that there was a Marshall Plan way back in the day, but I think right. that's kind of what they were calling it. They were referring it to, to it as the Marshall Plan to build reactors. But we honestly thought it was just because they wanted to get more bases and troops out there. Yeah, more money. Give, but put, it's, it's the whole thing. There's money in war and then there's war in war. <laughs> well, I figured they wanted to put money in the pockets of um, uh, contractors for the military, mm-hmm. you know, private, private contractors, you know, the war machine. Yeah. <laughs> the military industrial complex. But when you start talking about Saudi Arabia wanting to build a bomb, wanting to enrich their own uranium, just like Iran was doing, but they don't want anyone to inspect it. And now Trump is going out of his way not to condemn the murder of Khashoggi mm-hmm. and, you know, even going as far as trying to silence Turkey with another human life. Uh, like, what is he getting out of it? And I can't help but think of that 19% commission that's missing from the Rosneft deal, that extra $50 million that was in his inauguration fund. Oh. The $30 million that came from the NRA and dark money donations, how did he get paid? Holy shit, AG. Anyway, that's all super space beans. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We've got a big sabotage segment coming up. You guys, stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, Muller Junkies. Do you like ice cream as much as we do? If so, and you live in the D.C. area, there is now a food truck that is Muller-themed that serves ice cream, and it's called Guilty Pleasures. And joining us today is Dave Seavers from MoveOn.org. He has created this ice cream truck, and it's a project of MoveOn.org, and he's with us today. Thanks for being on Muller, she wrote, Dave. Glad to be here. Thank you. The truck is called Guilty Pleasures, emphasis on please in in the last word, uh, and it is intended, it's Washington, D.C.'s first investigation-themed ice cream truck, uh, and so far, to our knowledge, the only one. Uh, and the goal is really to bring attention to all of the successes that the Mueller investigation is having. Um, you know, Trump calls it a witch hunt, but the fact is that uh, Robert Mueller has issued over, you know, almost 200 criminal charges and indicted dozens of people. And so we wanted to help tell that story in a new and interesting way. We had indictment chip. Uh, we had Muller Berry with uh, Rocky Rod, uh, Rocky Rod Ro- Rosenstein, and my personal favorite of the day, Ivanka's Butter Email Pecan. <laughs> Basically, since before there was an investigation, Move On's members have been advocating strongly to investigate Donald Trump and his criminal cartel. And this was the latest iteration of that. We had it funded entirely by small donations from members around the country. And we're giving away the ice cream. Oh my God, the ice cream is free. It's free. And the fact that it's free should make you uh, walk, not run to, uh, to the next place that we're going to be posted up. I would run. I would be running. Okay. Uh, for free. All right, run. Don't walk. For free ice cream. We all scream for indictments. The best way to find us is either on Twitter or on the website. So the handle is guilty, please. Please sort of uh, underline URS for the Twitter handle. And also if you go to guiltypleasurestruck.com, we'll tell you where we are every day and what the flavors of the day will be. (laughs) All right. Well, everybody go to guiltypleasurestruck.com. Find out how to support these guys. And if you're in the D.C. area, free ice cream. Um, Dave Seavers, it's been really great to have you on today. Great. Thanks for having me. Are you guys ready for the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. 
All right, you guys. So I still have, I still think, and I don't know if Whitaker's going to block this, but I still have Stone, Jr., Assange, Corsi, and a Boutina plea agreement. Mm. That's what I'm thinking this week. Okay. Um, I believe I had Stone for sure, but I also had um, DT Jr. still, Ivanka still, um, Eric still, and then I I want to say I had a fifth that was not Kush, but I almost you had Corsi. I, actually, oh, I actually, threw Corsi on at the last minute. The sabotage was Corsi. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna keep them because that's that's the best way to play it this week. I still feel weird about the, having the kids on there, but I mean, do you think anything will happen? You said Butina. I don't think anything will happen with the the kids yet. So I, if I were you personally, I would do exactly what I just said. But uh. <laughs> yeah, that does make sense. I always try to like think because from, I don't think Ivanka is gonna be indicted. <laughs> you're yet. right. There's no point in having a different angle if it's wrong. But I think Assange is gonna be indicted when Stone gets indicted. Now that makes sense. So I would yeah. always hook Assange and Corsi to Stone. Okay. The thing, so Stone, Assange, Corsi for sure. Now Junior could be hitched to that or he could be the next level up. Uh, and Butina plea agreement is a separate thing in a different court. Mm-hmm. So I, if I were you, I would work if you wanted to switch out Junior and Butina if you wanted to do a Kushner Ivanka. Yeah, okay. You know what? I mean, I will take out um, Ivanka and Eric. I'll keep Junior. I'll have Junior, Stone, Corsi, Butina, and a rando. Ooh, a rando. Nice. Yeah, bringing it back. <laughs> bringing it back. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do Stone, Corsi, Plea Agreement, Credico, Plea Agreement, Assange, and Kushner. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, I like the combination. Yeah, I feel good about that one. Yeah, That's yeah. Good. Uh, are you guys ready for sabotage? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one, you guys. Big news dropped Friday. Corsi is cooperating with special counsel Ooh. Robert Mueller. And in his plea agreement negotiations, according to a person with knowledge of the talks, uh, Corsi could have the key evidence uh, linking Guccifer to Stone, uh, WikiLeaks, and the Trump campaign. We definitely can assume Corsi has information of interest to Mueller or there would be no talks. Uh, basically, if, if, if his proffer is bullshit, you know, Mueller either hands him off like he did with Cohen, like get the fuck out of my office. <laughs> Or he just doesn't even, he's like, I don't need you. Right. Uh, so this this means his proffer is worth something to Mueller. We also have to understand that if Mueller gets new and real information, he could go back to the president with additional questions on collusion. Like Giuliani was saying, we think there'll be more questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I just did Trump's voice for Giuliani. <laughs> but I mean, they're equally idiotic. <laughs> they're all just the same. Um, this leads me to add a plea agreement dangler, <laughs> which is what I'm calling it now, nice. to Corsi, which you already did. Jordan, you mm. thought plea I agreement did. I already dangler. knew this, so I cheated. Yeah. And so I want to let everybody know that if, because a plea agreement means you were indicted, so you know you always get the points for that. So if mm. it's if it's Corsi and that's an outer circle, I think it's two points. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but let's say it's two points. If you add correctly a plea agreement, a plea agreement dangler, <laughs> plea agreement dangler. <laughs> if you add that plea agreement dangler correctly, you're going to get an extra point. Now, this doesn't give you free reign to just add plea agreement danglers to everyone <laughs> because you want the free points. I'm not sure how to do that. It's an honor system. Yeah. But that's what I think. If you get the plea agreement right, uh, you get an extra point. So okay. now I'm going to have to change to uh, Stone, Assange Jr., a Corsi plea agreement, and a Butina plea agreement. Okay. Uh, so, so you added the plea to Bettina? Was that the difference? Or what did you do there? That was uh, I didn't have Corsi as a plea agreement. Okay. I mean, I did because I already knew, but I didn't want to do it until after sabotage. Yeah. So um, Okay, nice, nice. So I'm going to add the, the, the PAD to Corsi too. Yeah. P- <laughs> plea agreement dangler, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
All right, so you got the plea the plea agreement dangler on the dangler. I just call them danglers. The dangler. There you go. Yeah. No. I was gonna say modifiers, but danglers is funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm keeping mine the same because I should have known you were gonna do that. I sabotage. <laughs> we talked about it last week a little too, right? Yeah. I'm pretty sure the reason that you added the plea agreement dangler to Corsi is because you knew the news that Corsi was yeah exactly in the plea oh. agreement talks. exactly yeah, 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 yeah. I, I had already I read was that. Trying to yeah. Surprise she everyone. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, I'm gonna keep mine the same. Good. All right, cool. Well, then we have it. Uh, if you want to play the Fantasy Indictment League, you go to Facebook. You search, uh, what is it, Friends of Justice. Yeah. Uh, you find the pinned post in the announcements, and then you pick your five. Uh, and there you go. And you can change and modify them up until any uh, uh, indictments drop or plea agreements drop. Uh, and then that's how you play. And you can't get into that group unless you're a patron. So if you want to do that, you have to do that. Mm-hmm. So that's paid. And shout out to our moderator, Jen. Jen Nebaker, yeah, yeah, she's our yeah. new moderator of the group. Thank you for doing that. We really appreciate it. And uh, go to patreon.com slash MullerSheWrote. You can play the Fantasy Indictment League. Oh, so many points. Yes. So many things. So many beans. All right, you guys, it's time for the interview. And I don't have a... <laughs> <laughs> I have no song for the interview. <laughs> yeah, I'll just look at each other. <laughs> I wish you guys could see us right then. Sometimes I wish we really had like a video show going. We should start. People keep telling us to do that. Maybe we could set up a shitty webcam. Yeah, get the lighting <laughs> right in here. We already got the sound. Cam girls. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely need to buy some. Because you're wearing a onesie now. Would you wear it on camera? Tokens, I would, yeah, that's great. Truth. No, I'm not saying you should. I'd probably put a bra on too. That sounded kind of sinning. Are you going to wear that? Bra. No. Go to thirdlove.com slash AG. Yes. Nice. Smooth play. Thank yeah. you. That did was, they pay for that? No, no one. Did. <laughs> just just pay me. <laughs> I do always, I do always walk in here just like, what a nice job. I'm wearing fucking a wolf sweater and Dude, no makeup. And I like it. Your wolf sweater is amazing. It's like a, it's like that uh, one man wolf pack uh, yeah. oh, situation yeah. from. Oh yeah, the uh, hangover. hangover. Yeah. It reminds me of a new Lion King trailer that uh, we tweeted out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a good. Billy Eichner's yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Billy, I don't know if you listen, but holy shit, I'm so excited for you in that movie. That's my favorite Disney movie of all time. But yeah, and, and it's time. crazy because we love the 2D animation. That's what we grew up on. But this is going to be like what the next generation looks to. Same story, just like upgraded. Mm-hmm. When you grew up on, yeah, I was in college when that came I'm out. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> however, uh, when that came out, and obviously everything Disney puts out is so far ahead of its time. That was the, like incredible animation. Yeah. And they have this side by side now where you can look at the animation now and the animation then. And I'm all, oh my God. That's crazy. I'm old. All right. <laughs> anyway, today in the interview... Uh, we're joined by one of the hosts of a new podcast from across the pond. I'm going to go ahead and call them our sister podcast. They say that yeah. that they got their name as an homage to to Muller she wrote, uh, and they're absolutely fantastic, brilliant writers, award winning writers. So let's have a listen to that interview. Joining us today to discuss his new podcast, Dial M for Muller, is Peter Jukes. He's the co-host of this new podcast, Across the Pond, with Carol Cadwallader, and uh, both amazing, uh, amazing people, and, and I'm very happy to have you here today. Welcome to Muller, she wrote, Peter. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be on here. We, uh, we pay homage to you with our, uh, the title of our podcast. We didn't steal it. We just, it's a homage. Yeah, no, and we're completely honored, and it's to- a totally, it's, it's a completely cool name, uh, and I like how you, you know, you guys went Hitchcock, you know, we went um, Murder, She Wrote, but Angela, you know, yeah, it's very cool, so. Yeah, both both talking about crimes here, interestingly, interesting connection, isn't there? <laughs> both uh, shows, both the film and the TV show, 
mostly wrote are about uh, major crimes. I wonder why that is. Yeah, major crimes, and also the mystery that it's kind of shrouded in. We all know Mueller's been uh, real tight-lipped, and he he doesn't uh, leak. So uh, everything that we've learned about this has pretty much just come out from either witnesses who's testified with him or somebody in the White House leaking stuff on purpose. So it's been really interesting. But I wanted to ask you if you could tell us a little bit about how um, your podcast came to be, why you wanted to start it. Yeah, so, I mean, we've been following what you've been doing. You know, you're very, very lucky because you have Muller, you know. And I do follow your show, you know, the insights of, like, when the indictments will land and when the Manafort hearing means. I'm completely obsessed by it. But And, and you're very, very lucky because um, your country built on laws. You have a lot of bad people in it, but you do have something called the Constitution. We have something called precedent, and we have a very sort of, I don't know, haphazard, a way of doing things. So um, why we got around to the podcast was that uh, mainly Carol, and she would be here, but she's collapsed somewhere, exhausted, has really been the only journalist following the Brexit side of the Russia story, the Brexit Trump side. And for whatever reason, I've written about this before, I covered phone hacking a lot in the Murdoch Empire. Our newspaper and media organizations have not been sort of covering it. And actually, you could follow even the BBC actively suppressing the story of uh, potential Russian intervention in the Brexit, the referendum vote, which happened just before the Trump election. So the podcast is really our own Brexit broadcasting channel. It's like a BBC because Cal was so exasperated that uh, she couldn't, though she's a award-winning journalist, she's swept the board with prizes, Orwell Prize, the Stig Larsson Prize. National media will not cover it for various political reasons. It's kind of, you know, it seems to be undermining the um, legitimacy of the, this, this referendum. We don't usually have referendums. I think they're a bad thing, to be honest. But this, that there's a great fear the government is very weak. And so finally, I think after a lot of pressure from us and many Carol supporting and me doing a bit on the side, the RNCA, RFBI, which is called the NCA National Crime Agency, is going to investigate the story broke in the summer, which is you know, a lot of interaction between the major leave donor, uh, the biggest donor in British political history, it's peanuts compared to America, but it's still 12 million pounds uh, spent on um, getting Britain to leave the EU. Lots of Cambridge Analytica dark arts involved. Cambridge Analytica you know, is a, started in Britain, and uh, we discovered he'd been this guy on the banks on when he was doing this was in and out of the Russian embassy talking about gold deals and uh, diamond company privatizations. Very interesting. Same time as Rosneft, a company called Alloza, which they were offering him. We can't track the money to see if he took them up. Uh, sort of big, uh, big deals on uh, Russian state assets. So, so as a long-winded way to say, we came across this major story. It was difficult to get law enforcement involved. They finally did about two weeks ago, but we still thought most of the British people did not know how Trump, Russia, and Brexit are intimately connected. Yeah, I feel like we've done as much reporting on it over here um, as we've seen come out of of Britain. But um, yeah, we are. You know. Yeah, no, but here's an example. Exact example, we broke the story, four stories in The Observer, which is an offshoot of The Guardian, uh, in June, and BBC didn't cover it. None of the major, one other paper tried to scoop us, 
And then it all went quiet. But the Washington Post, Jonathan Chaitwesi, the New York Observer, uh, the New York Times, they all followed up with it. So, you know, we're relying on you guys, which is kind of a form of colonialism, I think. Yeah, and we, we rely often a lot on, on Russian state TV to tell us what's going on with our president. So I can <laughs> I can feel your pain. <laughs> but um, well, I, yes, They know better, don't they? They know better what he's thinking. If you want to know what Trump's thinking, watch RT.com. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I think that um, Brexit was pretty much a staging. It was like a dress rehearsal for what went on in the 2016 election in the United States. And but when, you know, when we dragged in Cambridge Analytica and and Bannon. And I think Bannon has a lot to do with what went on over there. And I think that uh, having you guys as a sister podcast over there to do this from a Brexit point of view is really amazing, especially coming up now with Theresa May trying to sell this uh, and, you know, her exit plan, uh, which everyone's kind of shitting all over. And um, in, in the wake yes, of... so, you know, London was, they, they called it the Petri Ditch. Uh, Bannon set up Cambridge Analytica is registered in London initially. It was he went to Cambridge in 2013 in November, December, just when Trump was going uh, to Moscow. Interestingly, and interestingly enough, and also when Pujolkin, if I get the name right, you pronounce it better, was setting up the Internet Research Agency. Bannon goes to Cambridge. He talks to the psychometrics to uh, psychologists there. Kogan and Kaczynski and starts up Cambridge Analytica in the UK. Uh, and you also, the other big key thing we have in the UK, I'm not boasting about it, but it's where the London connection might hit home soon with indictments is, of course, we have Julian Assange. Um, a friend of mine knows him well. Uh, actually, Yeah, I was going to I was going to ask you if, if uh, we could get if we could get him back real quick. You want Julian Assange back? If we could, if we could bring him over here for a minute, we need, we have some stuff that we need to talk to him about. <laughs> I know you have some issues with. It's a complicated one. I I think he's become an enemy agent. I mean, I don't think you know the danger is what what law are they going to prosecute? What law? We know there were charges against him, and it'd be very interesting. You probably know more of the detail of that because obviously you don't. I mean, I've received leaked emails. <laughs> you know, we don't want a leak. You may even have a leaked email on your laptop. You don't want to be in prison for elite emails, right? In the public interest, but well, no, but but um, but you know, if you do weaponize stolen uh, materials, uh, then you're you're breaking the law. And so we, you know, we I, even the, uh, we accidentally let slip that he's already been charged and he his indictment might be under yeah. seal. So we're waiting for that to drop too. But um, I, you know, I got to tell you, frankly, do we know what the charges are? Do you know what the charges are for us? No, they they weren't in there. But I'm I'm assuming it's going to be computer fraud, wire fraud, uh, conspiracy to uh, um, uh, to defraud the United States, uh, stuff like that. Yeah, and also you know commissioning hacking is a very different thing as a journalist receiving stolen emails uh, or even you know leaked emails than hacking a machine. I think. But so Assange, I don't know what's happened to him. People say he kind of tilted over to the Russian side about 2013, another. 2013, I think seems to happen then. He's always a bit like Snowden, what Tim Snyder wrote this great book, uh, Wrote on Freedom, a, a paranoid libertarian. And it's so funny, I mean, if you see him in America, you maybe do have this for some people, you know, there's a horseshoe effect. The far right and the far left are sort of drawn towards these authoritarian figures. And um, anyway, but Julian, uh, you know, very close friends with Vaughn Smith, who ran the Frontline Club. We do a festival with him, and he housed Julian Assange. 
um, well, just before he ran away to the um, Ecuadorian embassy. And actually, I think he did his bail bond, which is lost. And so, uh, you know, you know, some people are caught a bit in the middle here, I think. It's looking, what is interesting is Assange's connections. We know that Nigel Farage, Nigel Farage is the big populist, our Trump figure, but not in power. Well, he visited, uh, he visited Assange at the consulate. Yeah, yeah. With his court coming out, and Cal makes his point in our first podcast that, you know, a few hours, half an hour later, Assange dropped those Vault 7, um, uh, you know, those tools, those hacking tools. Uh, we've had that lovely man, Dana Rohrabacher, come over here. He's a lovely gentleman, isn't he? Uh, no longer a congressman. Yeah, we just uh, well, we just voted him out in California. Blue wave hit somewhere. Uh, he, he was over here visiting the embassy with some, is it Chuck Johnson, some other, some bearded guy from the right. Um, so London figures in that. And obviously the other way that London figures will be exploring this, apart from Cambridge Analytica, uh, Assange and, and Bannon, is, of course, Papadopoulos and Manafort. I was reading the Gates Manafort indictments, which are like a kind of like a show, incredible thriller. And they had companies in London. And, uh, of course... Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, I don't mean to interrupt, but I was, gonna, I was actually going to ask you about Manafort, because I know we talked about Brexit being this, the dress rehearsal for the 2016 U.S. election interference, but even before that, if you rewind, we can talk about Ukraine and Tymoshenko um, versus Yanukovych being the dress rehearsal for Brexit. Uh, and and so Manafort was heavily involved in that. So it's interesting you bring him up. Go ahead. Sorry sorry to interrupt you there. No, no, please stop me. I, I, I will keep, especially with this distant line, I'll just keep on talking and with my connection. You won't even notice. I won't notice. Yeah, so Manafort, I, I mean, that's when I first became very interested in the Russian side because I went to, uh, uh, to, to Kiev after the revolution there and I realized that complete false information about it being a right-wing fascist coup it was completely wrong. It had been started by an Afghan refugee, one of the first person people to be shot by Yanukovych's troops or snipers was somebody of Jewish origin, Armenian origin. It was a very uh, liberal revolution. And that's when I realized that the disinformation around Ukraine was very strong in Europe. And that might have been part of Manafort's successful lobbying. He had a number of European politicians uh, on his, you know, on his payroll, I believe, or that, that was the Renaissance group, the Charlemagne group, or whatever it was called. Um, so we've been subjected to this disinformation about Ukraine. Uh, and again, elements of the far right, the far left, uh, both involved. We've not yet found, well, there's one direct connection. And I've got to look up this guy's name. When Carol and I uh, broke these, the story about these emails, which the biggest, uh, basically, bankroll of Nigel Farage, she'd been to the Russian embassy lots of times, been discussing these deals, they kind of put their security company onto us. And oh, I'm going to have to dig out his name. We just discovered recently, it's called Precision Risk, and I can go back and find some material for you. He was an American who'd worked with Manafort. So obviously, I know that Aaron Banks um, well, we know that Nigel Farage is caught on a yacht or fishing with Dana Rohrabacher. We know that uh, his second in command, a guy called who runs Breitbart London, uh, Rahim Kassam, was at his inauguration or whatever the dinner is when he got elected in 2016, 17 or re-elected or some dinner. And so the, the outright of international, Bannon, Rahim Kassam, Breitbart, they're all here 
and they all seem to go around in the same circles with with a lot of rich Russians. It seems to me that you know that there's and where sort of London is a centre of money laundering because the you know it just has got very lax rules on all these offshore companies and all these territories like the Cayman Islands, which are actually part of our offshore territories. And so a lot of dirty money comes through London. And a lot of these people come through London and a lot of spies. Because if I'm correct, this all begins because George Papadopoulos is gabbing away slightly drunk in a Kensington bar to the Russian, uh, to the Australian ambassador, Downer. And that triggers the FBI investigation. So London always the center of the world and the center of bad things. We had Joseph Missford floating around in London, who is, you know, this strange guy, professor, who offers Papadopoulos dirt on Hillary and these, her emails. Uh, so it's kind of like a 1940s spy movie, which is London's playing the place, which you see was Lisbon, used where the spies were, or Casablanca. It is, which makes the Dial M for Mueller title and the Mueller She Wrote titles kind of apropos. But, the, you know, you're right. The connections are astounding. And uh, we're so glad that, that, you know, we finally got the reporting a couple weeks ago that uh, Aaron Banks had been referred to the NCA. Uh, we'd been waiting for that. And I don't imagine Nigel Farage is, is far behind. Um, they might be working with our intel or with our Mueller investigation to wait until the Assange indictments drop because he's probably going to be named in those and they want to coordinate. I don't know. That's all conjecture, but we'll see. And and I and I really encourage um, our listeners to to check out your podcast. It's extremely informative. It'll give you a really good um, view of, of all this from uh, from the, the British point of view. And uh, it's really well done. So I was hoping, Peter, you could tell everybody where they can find your podcast. Well, first, I must apologize. We're not as fun as you. And, but we are, it's only half an hour long and we will make some jokes. We're going to learn from you and be a bit lighter and funnier. If you can find it on iTunes, uh, Dal M for Muller. Uh, and it's also a website, Dal M for Muller, and it sort of propagates across all the other usual podcast, um, podcast services. So, um, brilliant. Well, I look forward to hearing more. I can't wait. And with your update when these indictments fly. All right, and we look forward to hearing your podcasts as they as they come out. So thank you very much for joining us, uh, Peter Jukes. Check out Dial M for Mueller when you get a chance. All right, guys. So everybody definitely has to check out Dial M for Mueller. I'm super oh, yeah. excited about that. I think I think uh, we're going to appear on their pod, and you know, like we said in the interview, everything is so connected with Bannon and Cambridge Analytica and Alexander Nix and Manafort. Very very overlapped. Yeah, it is, and um, and like he said in the interview. Brexit was a dry run for the 2016 election. Just so. like they're, they're always ahead of us. The UK is just like on and America is just a couple of years behind always. <laughs> they're always, always, always used first as puppets. <laughs> yes. In 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 uh, dictatorial games. It's true. So unfair. Yeah. If we have any listeners in London, can you tell us so we can justify planning a trip over there? Yeah. Oh, awesome. yeah. <laughs> we're planning. Well, we're trying to plan a tour. So, you know. That would be so cool. That'd International be so one time we dial in. One time we referenced the sun and everyone was like, oh my God, don't ever do that again. And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Not, I'm probably going to get shit for interviewing Goldstone too. They're we, probably going to be like, he's such a, yeah, I'm like, oh. You know, we, we're a diverse show. We like to have all different angles and, you know, I like that you got them. Even, we've had conservatives on before and people like that, you know. I had a chance. The way I see it is, 
I had a chance to ask questions of someone who sat in the June 9th, 2016 Trump Tower meeting. I'm not going to pass that up. 1,000%. I uh, really hope people wouldn't give a shit for that. But if they do, I think that that's misguided. I think so, too. Yeah. Anyway, that's our show. We have did it. We got through this monster-ass show, you guys. This was huge. Yeah. It's huge. It was good. One of my favorite ones recently, actually. Seriously, oh, yeah. 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 Having really Goldstone like is, is why I like it so much, because as a true Mueller junkie, like, you want to hear from everyone, you know, like, everyone involved. Yeah. 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 If I had a chance to interview Junior or Kushner or- Oh, bring him on. I would totally interview them. We'll grill him, but bring him on. Yeah. 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 Dibs and- on Eric. He'll be disowned first. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. He won't make it through the I'm interview. going to ask him about how his teeth got that way. Yeah. There you go. Sorry, get to the not hard... dibs in a romantic way. Dibs oh, no. Oh, now he's your boyfriend. There you go. Oh, no. no. Oh, you spent so long trying to get rid of Nunes, and now you got Eric Trump Nosferatu oh, of the no. Trump family. Oh. I love it. I love it. Oh. That's how the game myself. works. It can't be someone you want. That's how it works. Yeah. Except for I me. get Beto. Yeah. Well, you make the rules, AG. That's not fair at all. Yeah. I had John Cusack for maybe three weeks. And here I am weeks. with Eric. It was a great three weeks. We did a lot of not knowing each other existed. I mean, I know he exists, but <laughs> I think beautiful. he's listened to at least a couple episodes. Ooh, and Mike Berbiglia said he's going to listen. So yeah, Berbigs. Yeah. Oh, you should see his one man show on Broadway right now. Oh so yeah, if you get a chance. And our, our friend Greg Proops, you should check out his mm-hmm. new album. I have a question. Uh, so, yes, between Berbiglia's face and Miller's face, who should I get tattooed on my ass? <gasps> Ooh, that's because they both ass? have great. Yeah, why not? Like For a tiny little stamp age or better. It seems, it seems like if you do it on your ass, then it's somebody that you don't like. Really? Is that how it works? For me, I just don't <laughs> like my ass. <laughs> I think it's a very like um, you know uh, sentimental place. <laughs> yeah, endearing to me. I have a lot of ass memories. Yeah, we have different ideas about the buttocks. So. If you get Mueller, he'll already have wrinkles. If you get Birbiglia, <laughs> when you get older and your ass wrinkles, it will appropriately age Birbiglia. With him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's a good... Wow. Mm. I don't have many years left, so I might get Mueller. There you go, <laughs> and I'll get Birbiglia. And, and Jordan? I want to get a... Like Eric Trump. <laughs> your boyfriend. No Sparatu. Get I, the teeth. I want to... Just his teeth? That'd be great. Or make a dog toy with just his teeth so that when the dog has it in his mouth, it looks like Eric Trump. Nice. All gums and just tiny teeth. All I gums. have all gums. Yeah, my no, teeth are fucked, by the way, so I can make fun of him. Not I in an Eric Trump way. <laughs> or a my mom way. She's gummy bear. Gummy bear. Um, I want to get like, do you know how for a long time um, Bernie Sanders, don't care if you hate him, uh, he had that little, uh, just his hair and his glasses, kind of a, mm-hmm. you know, just that image. Yeah. We need a Mueller. <gasps> right? Just the eyebrows. I guess that's that's Bernie's, right? Just eyebrows. Because Mueller, you said he had just the hair on it on well, the Well, he logo. had his, hit his hair, yeah, and his oh, glasses, exactly. So, so you could tell it was Bernie, right? Mm-hmm. So Mueller is very no, noteworthy for his eyebrows. So if we could somehow, and his jaw, and I was going to say just the jowl. We just need a black oh. and white, like how you would carve a Mueller pumpkin is what we need, there and you then go. we need to put that tattoo. Yes, to happen. That has to happen somewhere. I like it. I like that a lot. Like or the a logo. spyglass lady. I will definitely get the spyglass spy Who we named, who did we decide? To, what, I can't remember. What we had so many. Name. We'll go back and figure it out. I think it was Angela Beansbury or something like that. Angela mm-hmm. Beansbury. Did <laughs> <laughs> you just make that up? Because that's beautiful. No, I asked uh, I asked Twitter, what should her first name be? What should her last name yeah, be? Yeah, yeah. And we had Beansbury. Okay, for good. Angela, Angela well, there Beansbury. we go. That settles that. Oh, or Jessica Fletcher. Yeah. But Beans, Beansbury. I don't know. Beansbury anyway. is a little better. Yeah. Mm, you guys, this has been a crazy show. Thanks for... <laughs> I can't even believe if you're still here. Uh, yeah. Isn't this the segment where we just get loose? Yeah. <laughs> get loose, y'all. Mm. 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 Oh, my God. I'm so white. All right. Please check out our book club, which is coming out 
Wednesday? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, we've got a lot of minis. We've got three minisodes this week, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, check it out. Become a patron. It'll be awesome. And if you don't, that's cool, too. You can always listen for free uh, everywhere you get your podcast. You guys have been awesome. I've been AG. I've been Jaleesa Johnson. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Muller She Wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. M-S-W-Media. <laughs>